this week's episode of Two Tools covers the latest updates in the free agent and trade market, the top 10 at the catcher, starting pitcher, and relief pitcher positions, and what's going on in Miami. We'll share our thoughts coming up now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 88. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is... Monday night, February 6th. It's almost started, Alex. We are almost there. One more week. We have pitchers and catchers reporting in approximately seven or eight days, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But um, from all the news I've been hearing, February 13th is the day for pitchers and majority of most catchers reporting. It actually gets a little bit interesting when the World Baseball Classic uh, players who have already committed uh, we'll report earlier than, a co- of course, some of the other guys. But I know tons and tons of pitchers are already starting to work out now, um, gearing up for that World Baseball Classic in about one month. But an exciting episode today, Alex. We have some MLB news, of course. We'll be talking about some of the last free agencies, extensions, and trades happening before the season is underway. Um, and players can officially call certain organizations home. And we'll definitely, we'll actually start now our uh, top 10 at every position. I know we've been really, um, really hungry to deliver this news to the listeners and to um, give them our perspective on who we think is a top 10 position player at each, uh, at every nine, each, each nine positions of on the diamonds and also the relieving relief pitcher as well. Um, but Alex, let's kick it off to you. I know you have some news uh, you've been really staying on top of that free agency market, but uh, what's the latest? Yeah, there's some stuff going on still, even though a lot of the big ticket uh, guys are off the free agency table. It's still kind of cool to see some of these guys find homes and also teams being uh, you know, aggressive with you know the assets they already do have and extending them. So the first thing I'll t- touch on, um, Chad Green, reliever of the Yankees, Travis, he has signed a deal with the Toronto Blue Jays to be a reliever for them. They're adding even more depth to their bullpen. It feels like they're taking a bullpen kind of centric approach this offseason, Travis, because they, I mean, they added starting pitching, but they also in the bullpen, they traded Teoscar Hernandez for relief support. They're signing Chad Green here. They already have guys like Jordan Romano. They made a relief pitcher um, uh, trades at the deadline last year for um, Pop and Bass, I believe. So it just, it just, they just are very clearly um thinking about their bullpen and all these um situations so you know do you like that move for them do you think that chad green still has more to offer him he's been a pretty good reliever i feel like you know in every season where he's been healthy right if he's not been healthy then then um that's obviously going to be just kind of a a waste of the money but assuming he's healthy he's been pretty productive i'd say what do you think about the 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 situation and it looks like right now i'm looking at it's a one year 2.25 mil it seems pretty affordable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a team friendly, um, team friendly contract, and I think the Blue Jays uh, more the merrier. They're a team that um, right now we're all looking at as probably the second place team in the American League East, 
but definitely if things go right, they can easily win the division. Um, and then of course, look at a, uh, a, a, you know, first round buy in next year's playoffs. But Chad Green, I think, just adds that veteran um, leadership to that bullpen and uh, the, the knowledge that he can bring to that staff. I think it only helps him. But um, we'll definitely see exactly how he pans out throughout the, throughout the season. Um, what his what he I know he's not going to be, of course, a closer, probably not even an eighth inning guy. He could probably be somewhere in the seventh uh, in the sixth inning in different situations. But um, yeah, I, I think with bullpens, you really can't ask for you know anything else but just more depth. Um, the more the more relievers you get, the more opportunities, the more um, just the, the just the the I'm going to say the palette of, of relievers is, is definitely not a bad thing. So uh, that's one thing I'll say. And also on a very team friendly um, contract one year, um, you know, it seems like he could definitely make a very good, um, you know, place in Toronto for this season see what happens after that I know there's some team options but um, I guess just yeah Toronto's adding more depth that's a good thing and they are a team that's really hungry they know that they have a skill set to get deep into the October playoffs and hopefully into a World Series but um, anything else happening with the free agent market yeah so I'll also cover this Jeff McNeil extension so the Mets uh, we know that they are aggressive they want to win a World Series they're probably the most vocal team about just all the chips are going into the middle of the table. They're going all in right now. And Jeff McNeil being extended is a part of that. So he still had like a couple years of arbitration left. They buy that out, right? So they they it's a four-year extension with a fifth-year pl- uh, team option. Um, and it's a four-year, let me see the exact number. I just had it. It's a four-year and... 50 mil do, 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 do. yes 50 mil 50 mil okay. and then if the team does accept the fifth year option it would go up to a 63.75 mil so it's it's definitely a i'd say a handsome payday for him um because he's not really this like superstar type um at least you we don't really kind of see him going into that role but there's a very good chance he ends up being a I'm not sure. Maybe you could say a uh, top like two, three second baseman if he yep. ends up finding a permanent home there. If uh, he plays lots, lots of left field too sometimes, and he's one of the better left fielders too. Two positions, second base and left field, that I feel like aren't that deep, right? And we'll get into that when we do our rankings for those positions eventually. But it feels like there's lots of, you know, he's a type of guy who could be at the top of those leaderboards for the coming seasons during this four-year deal. You know, he's someone who... There was a down year in 2021, I believe, but besides that has been a pretty solid hitter. I remember especially in 2019, he kind of broke out and was was very good. And, you know, this last season, he was um, a contact machine. Batting title, yeah. So I think that there's just tons to like about what he brings to the table. Another lefty in that uh, that Mets batting lineup. So, um, you know, I think it's a great fit, obviously. He obviously likes being there because he's in that deal. Um, do you think that's kind of a win-win deal for the Mets and for McNeil, Travis? Yeah, I, I definitely do. He's he's like you mentioned, he's not a superstar, but to me, he's like a super utility guy. He can play all around the diamond. I know he plays some third base. He plays second base usually. Um, you know, majority of his games are at second base, but of course, some outfield as well. So uh, a valuable guy that Mets definitely need. With all those sluggers they got, it's great to have a guy like him who's just strictly uh, contact driven. He had a three twenty six batting average this past season that was best in major league baseball in 2020 had a 311 in 2019 had a 318 and in 2018 a a 329 so he's he's always going to be a good 300 hitter 
The slugging, of course, not terrible. He definitely has some surprisingly good pop. Um, 2019 he had a really good year in the pop category, 23 home runs this past year, only nine home runs, but does hit a lot of doubles. Um, I, I definitely like the way, you know, actually I think his, I think his bat knobber, the way he, the bat he uses is very particular. It's very interesting. He doesn't have a knob like on the end of his bat. It just kind um, of thickens up at the end. It does there. thicken up and it's, I, I noticed that it, I think it either last year or this year watching him, um, in a game and it was just, it was very particular and it was, it was something that caught my eye and I'm just like, huh, like maybe that's something that might change the game. Maybe, maybe that's going to help him be more contract contact driven not so much with the pop but um, I think he's a good uh, he's a good person in that Mets organization I think that he fits a lot of different rules and helps them win ball games so uh, I mean after last year's what 101 wins why not you know extend him have him come back for a couple more seasons um, he's going to be a big piece, I think, in a, if they were to make a championship run. But good move, I think, by the Mets. They're just keeping these guys for a little bit longer. So uh, McNeil Lindor could be a you know cornerstone of a middle infield right there for the, for basically almost the rest of uh, of almost the 2020s, as it seems. Because I know he's signed through 2026, so there are some team options, and I'm sure they could possibly pick him up. Him and Lindor could be around for a really long time. Yeah, and then to moving on, Travis, uh, the last thing we'll touch on is that the Rays have been a bit active. It's it's kind of uh, more than you'd probably expect is, is the way I'd put it. Um, it's just been about retaining their guys since we last touched on the Rays. So they did sign a three-year, $24 million deal with Yandy Diaz. Jeffrey Springs, a lefty pitcher, starting pitcher, had, uh, I think, a four-year extension. And then I believe it was a three-year extension for... Um, Pete Fairbanks with a fourth year like team option so lots of kind of creative deals going on I know for sure the Fairbanks deal you know he's the reliever who had a monster year last year and I think everyone remembers him I think the the common fan remembers him from 2020 Travis in the World Series against the Dodgers or even in against the Astros in the in the ALDS he just bulges his eyes when he's like reading the sign from the catcher yeah. and like when he checks the runner on second base his eyes are like bulging out of his head it's super funny but um not only was he effective in 2020 he was very very effective in 2022 so I think for good reason he's earning that extension um but uh, I know his his deal is creative in that the Rays uh, will be paying him more money based on if he reaches certain criteria, you know. There's just different things that could happen. Um, inning thresholds, you know, performance thresholds where if he reaches them, he can get paid more money. Um, I'm not sure. I assume it's probably a similar story for the Springs deal. Um, so I guess my only reason for bringing up these deals is I feel like it's kind of notable to say that the Rays have spent a bit more money this year than they have in years past. Right. Um, that Franco extension, um, from a little while back, like over a year ago now, like it, it feels like, um, that was the start of them maybe saying, you know, we should spend a little bit more money. And, and, you know, we know they, they spent kind of big for their standards on Zach Eflin early in the off season, um, they broke their own record for a free agency signing. And now they're extending their own guys um, that they like and they that they see upside in. So um, do you think that, I mean, obviously these aren't like groundbreaking moves in and of themselves, but do you think as a whole, this kind of maybe spending a little bit more money and being a little bit less, because they used to spend nothing, I feel like, in free agency. Like they'd go through yeah. the whole free agency and like make almost no moves. Do you think that this is kind of a sign that they might be, 
a bit scarier this year that they're kind of doubling down spending a bit more money or do you think that you know um they're still not spending nearly enough uh like the toronto and uh, blue jays and the new york yankees are mm-hmm. they still kind of not ready to compete with those bigger guys yeah you know i mean i think they look um you, you take away 2020 um you take away the tampa bay rays in 2020 you look at a first round exit in 2019 you look at a first round exit in uh 2021 i'm sorry 2019 they did win a wild card game that was one single game but you look at the first series they played and they lost to the astros astros in 19 2021 they lost to the red sox in the american league division series and then this last year they lost in the wild card series to the cleveland guardians so i think they're taking a look at everything and they're saying you know with with the you know the mindset and just the the way that we're structured we're built to make the playoffs every year, but maybe we're just not built to make a deep postseason run. And isn't that what's all kind of about? So maybe spending the money a little more is going to help that out. That's going to win us some series in October. That's going to help us advance to another, you know, fall classic. But um, I, I definitely like this strategy. It, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. You look at like the Dodgers and you look at some of these other teams. They have that raised mindset, but they have tons and tons of money that they can spend so they can have smart. Um, you know, transactions in the minors and getting young developed players, but also they can get the top guys on the market every single free agency that, you know, helps them and propels them to getting over 100 wins, winning the division and also making deep runs in the playoffs. But um, I I like the way that they're spending money. Um, I don't 100% know how I feel about this year's Rays team. It just seemed like last year being third place in the American League East, 86 wins, you know, getting pretty much getting swept in the wild card series. And that was just a very, very poor series by the Rays. I think they, I think they scored like maybe one or two runs in like, what was it like 20 innings or right. something like that? It, it, it was just, it was awful offense by the Tampa Bay Rays. They, they needed someone just to hit a home run in like in, in a matter of like seven extra innings that they were playing in game two and no one could do it. But um, I, I like the idea of them spending a little bit more money than in seasons past. But um, so far this year, I'm st- you know, I, if you were to tell me Rays are going to make the playoffs, I mean, that wouldn't be a really big shocker to me just because they're built for 162 games. They can definitely um, squeeze their way into October. But um, good sign, at least for hopefully in the future, building for a guy like Wander Franco, who's going to be the face of that franchise, building for a guy like him, getting more help around him by spending the money. Maybe not getting the biggest splash of the free agency market, but getting guys that can definitely be um, contributors right right away and, and help out um, and not have to wait for some of the guys that develop, even though their development has been spectacular. I like the idea of them spending some money now and, you know, hopefully giving them that edge when it comes to, uh, you know, the next couple of seasons to come. But um, that's my take on the Rays. They're, they're an interesting franchise. They are... Um, they're a very impressive franchise in that they are able to win so many games and basically having the payroll to pay only Mike Trout if they were to have him on their roster and the Angels have him and Rendon and Otani and so many other guys that you can pay, you know, for a team that, you know, pays a lot of money for a bunch of superstars but cannot win the same amount of games as the Tampa Bay Rays. It's kind of funny how um, how baseball works. We've, we've said that probably a thousand times now how many times the Rays just seem to outsmart the rest of the league but now that they're spending some money that's that, that that should at least help them a little bit more yeah i agree i agree I, I i'm hopeful to see kind of them continue down that road and we'll see how you know um this season kind of takes them if they'll be aggressive at the trade deadline i'll, I'll always say i 
we we want to see the Rays be more aggressive. But I will say the one time when they were aggressive at the trade deadline when they went and tried to get um, oh, Nelson, Nelson Cruz, Cruz yeah. and they ended up giving up Joe Ryan, who has been a really solid pitcher, um, at least a you know above average pitcher for Minnesota, and and Cruz did pretty much nothing for them. Uh, did not do well in the postseason, and then pretty much left for nothing. So, um, what that was, that, that was a head scratcher. <laughs> yeah, but 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 like at the time, it's like okay, they got like a thumper bat, like let's go. But yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't quite big ticket enough, yeah. and and uh, it didn't work out for them. But the last piece of news, chats before we get into our rankings, there was a trade of Matt Barnes for Richard Bleer. Um, Yay, Bleer of the Miami Marlins. Travis um, has had some really interesting seasons he's uh kind of a control freak his pitch his does not allow very many walks the last you know few seasons Mm -hmm. but um overall has been just kind of a solid reliever i am very i'm not sure if concerned or just interested i mean he's got a career 3.06 era uh in 2020 he had a uh 216 in 2021 he had a 295 and then last year he had a 3.55 ERA. So, I mean, he's been above average ERA the last three straight seasons. And Matt Barnes, who, you know, I think we know that Matt Barnes' ceiling is like a really, really good closer. But I'm not sure that, you know, he's still got that in him. He had a really good uh, first half. Of, was it 2021? Yeah. And then yeah. he was an all-star, and then he had a really bad second half. And then last year, he actually had a below-average ERA with a 98 ERA+. plus. That was a 4.31 ERA in, in, in 2022. So I believe Matt Barnes actually got DFA'd, and then like they traded him um, as their way of you know getting rid of him off their roster. So overall, Travis, I think it's a good move for the Red Sox. I think that Bleer has something still left in the tank or as Barnes maybe less likely. I just feel like a lot of Miami's moves this uh, offseason Travis have been kind of questionable and I I'm a little bit concerned for their direction and for, you know, I don't know. I just don't think that they've made some of the best moves and you know, that's just, you know, I'm just a podcaster. Maybe their front office has some better reasoning uh, for what they kind of see. But I'm not too hot on the move from Miami's perspective. Uh, also, considering what they got in return for Pablo Lopez, I thought they should have tried to target some, like, more young stars as opposed to, like, just a contact bat for the next couple of years. But um, any thoughts on Miami's direction, Boston's direction, or anything at all about this move? Yeah, I mean, Boston's still trying to compete and they definitely still can. Um, I, I know that the assets they have on the team are are not, you know, are not showing on paper that they can, but we've been wrong about the Red Sox, you know, time and time again. For Miami, it's definitely a head scratcher where you're in a division like we like we mentioned last time. It, it's it's already locked up and in, in I would definitely say both of our opinions it's already locked up. At least the top three teams are already locked up. Um, Miami now, it just seems like they want in on the party, but it, it, the, you know, the moves aren't even, it's yeah. not even, it'd be one thing if they went and like sign like two beast closers and like, we're going to have this crazy bullpen, but they just pretty much, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to criticize them 
maybe they think that Barnes is slightly better than Blair, and they and they they, they view it yeah. as an upgrade. So if that's the case, then you know I'm not gonna bash them too much for that. Yeah. But I'm not sure that that Barnes is an upgrade, and it feels like. And how much can you move the needle? You know how right? I, it, it, it seems it, super marginal there, and it, they probably could have got something better for Blair at the deadline or something yeah. if he had a good first half. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe they're gonna sell high at Barnes at the deadline if he has a good first half. But you know we'll see. I, I I'm not. I just, I just, I love to see a team have a clear direction, decide to tank yes. or decide to make some bigger moves, and they feel like they're totally just in the epitome of no man's land in a division where if you're in no man's land, you have no shot. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, we we spoke about it earlier where you know they get Gene Segura, who you know he's only got he's probably got less than five years left in in the bigs, and then you have. Um, uh, who's the shortstop they got now playing there that uh, we were we were talking about the lefty um, Wendell Wendell they got Wendell playing short which I mean is he a shortstop I don't know I mean is he going to be an average shortstop probably he still has a decent bat but how is that defense really going to translate there and then you know Luis Arias um, was playing a lot of first base for the twins now going to play some second base and I don't know if his glove is is tremendous um, I don't and, think it's and, very good and, at second. And and he's just a contract contact driven, um, you know, player. And so, it, again, it is very confusing for Miami. I, I don't know how it's going to finish. I mean, a betting man for me, I would say they're going to be a fourth place team. I don't think they're going to be worse than the Washington Nationals, but they're kind of just stuck in that four seed in the National League East because the Phillies and the myth and the Mets and the Braves are all going to be, you know, 85 to 90 plus win teams you know without a doubt most likely and so it's it's definitely a confusing time i would say for miami i think that they just want to show their fan base that they can have some like exciting players to get around but i don't know i if i was a fan i would i would definitely be more looking towards like let's try to gear for the future i think you mentioned a couple podcasts ago but you know trey turner in you know four or five years you know that contract might start looking to look be look a little ugly if they don't win a championship you're looking at that you're looking at some of the other contracts they gave out castellanos i i would have to look at some of the other guys but you might look at the phillies starting to digress in you know in the wins and in the total level of play because some of these guys are getting older and you know the output of what's being on the field is just not going to be uh you know glorious and so then you look at the miami who can definitely take that spot and then you know, possibly even the Braves after God knows when, when Anthopolis unloads all of his suspiciously Team great friendly. signings. Yeah. So you look at that too. I mean, the Braves are going nowhere, but I don't know. I, I just look at Miami. It's, it's definitely a, a question mark. I mean, you, you don't want to say like, okay, well, let's just go back to rebuilding for another five or 10 years. You know, I like the idea of acting now, but I would have thought they would have wanted to get, you know, smarter signings. Like even if they got a guy like Carlos Correa, that would have been the start. You know, you get a young, good shortstop right now to pair at Jazz Chisholm. That would have been a really fun start of the lineup. You know, act on it that way. I, I don't know about getting Matt Barnes and Gene Segura and, and trading, you know, Pablo Lopez for Luis Arias. I don't think that's going to really at all move the needle at all. So um, that's kind of my take on that. And then, of course, Red Sox. I mean, I think Red Sox are just trying to get um, – their bullpen right now is, is actually, I won't say spectacular, but it's definitely, it's a step up at least. It yeah, seems it, They have some big names. It has the chance to be really special because I think it was a bit of a weakness last year. If I'm not mistaken, I have to double, double check those numbers, but it definitely seems like mm -hmm. they've viewed it as a point to address all offseason. Yep. They've made signings. They've made trades. They've let guys go that don't, don't 
live up to what they their expectations. So I think it's a it's a you know a good sign of life for Red Sox fans, even though yes. they let some of the big dumpers go. Um, maybe they might try to save some some wins uh, with the pen. So overall, Travis, still some things going on on the hot stove. The season's not quite over yet, but the real uh, season in spring training is about to start. So um, I imagine all most of these deals will kind of wrap up quickly, and th- there's still some guys, Travis. Um, lingering in free agency, obviously. You know, Waka has not yep. signed yet. Handful of relievers that get linked with multiple teams. I know like Chafin, Britain are like still free agents, Matt Morris. So there's just these guys out there who yep. just um, feel like they're available. And I'm interested to see where they end up and kind of why it's taking so long, you know. But, you know, either way, Travis, we'll have more news on those guys in the coming weeks, of course. But now let's get into the first installment of our you know, preseason rankings. This will be our 2023 positional rankings. Kicking it off, the first uh, part will be catchers, starting pitchers, and relievers, like you said, Travis. Um, Anything to say beforehand, or should we jump into it? We didn't want to give them all nine in one episode, because that would be... That that would be a marathon. That that, that would be a five-hour episode, so we want to at least cut it down into different sections and give you guys little pieces of the pie. So um, I'm excited. I, I... I'll tell you right now, Alex, you know, based on my criteria, and I think we mentioned it last year when we did this, but um, for me, when I judge these players, I, of course, look back at, of course, past performances, how they've been trending over the last two, maybe three seasons. Now that we have at least two full seasons behind us, we can definitely look at that and say, okay, they've been actually pretty consistent. Also want to take into account what's trending and what what we, what we think is going to be, you know, Who's going to be on the top of the leaderboards this season? So there might be some guys that I I have on my list that might have only a handful of at bats in the major leagues, but maybe I see or maybe they don't at all have anything impressive that they that we saw in 2022. But we might see them bounce back or have a breakout season in a big way in 2023. So that's always something to keep in mind when we go over some of these guys. I mean, I I could definitely name one guy that I'll. I'll probably start off with my catchers that might not be on your top 10, but I think that he uh, he might be a top 10 guy already. But uh, I'm excited. Just just letting the viewers know that it's also looking at who we think is going to maybe have a big breakout in 2023 or continue to have dominance at that position. Um, So not necessarily looking all back at past performances, but also looking at. What does the future hold for some of these guys? And and Charles, I'll just since you kind of explained your thought process, I'll just as quickly as I can explain mine. I'm completely kind of focused on what I expect these guys to do next year. So like you said, it's about trending into the future for, uh, for me. I'm not super, I mean, I am looking at past performance because, um, results can inform kind of future trends, but at the end of the day, I'm really looking at, you know, some of the fan graphs projections. They have things like zips and steamer that do a you know, a good job of doing kind of the hard legwork for me, um, kind of projecting what kind of war these guys might get next year. And then I'm also looking at, um, you know, just uh, like like you said, the things they did last year and, and maybe the some guys have kind of earned a level of respect, right, where we can kind of assume, oh, that was just a down year, you know, whatever, um, you know, things like that. And then I also like to look at some of the data on StatCast, um, it might explain like, oh, this guy um, was hitting the ball really hard last year, just had some bad luck. Or maybe this guy 
was not hitting the ball that well, and the ball uh, kind of fell where the defense was not. So I, I'm excited to get into this, Travis. I know that we always are going to have some things we agree on and then also disagree on, mix for some fun conversations. So I believe you want to start at the catcher position. Is that right? That is true. Yeah, we'll definitely start with them. Do you want to? Uh, How are we gonna do this? Are we gonna go? Are we gonna go ten and uh, nah? Eh, what should we do? I think we should just go one and down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that then. Yeah. That's okay. All. I, I know we we typically do power rankings and we typically do positions ten all the way down, but I like just getting the number one guy out of the way because then it leaves some suspense to see if who one, who it, cracks the top ten. Yeah. Then, even yeah. if there's a guy that we you know have talked about for years on end and it's like. Okay, you're getting down to eight, nine, and ten. Are they even on it? Are they, you know, are they still bringing that same level of uh, exactly of uh, you know eliteness at that position? But uh, yeah, we'll start with catchers. Do you want to go ahead and give me your uh, your top guy? I guess work down. Do you want to start with your top one through five? Sure. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, I I, I really like the top five guys at the position. I think for me they're the kind of the clear top five. But you know, um, mm-hmm. we'll see if we end up agreeing. I am surprised at who I put number one because I was pretty sure about what I was going to do. <laughs> and then when I looked at the numbers today, I flipped. Yep. So I'm going with Adley Rushman already at number one. I mm-hmm. think he's already the best catcher in baseball. Um, I'll get into that more in a minute. Uh, number two, I have JT Real Muto. Number three, I have Will Smith. Four, I have Sean Murphy. And five, I have Alejandro Kirk. Give me okay. your top five and okay. we'll talk about him. Okay, so number one. Still reigning, I have JT Real Muto. He uh, provided the numbers from even last year. I think he had the best catcher war for all catchers last year, a good postseason as well. I still think he'll be even a first half that was very, very um, worrisome. I know you look at the numbers. I think his his first half numbers were not atrocious, but they were just not JT Real Muto-esque. He definitely picked things up in the second half if you look at last year's stat lines. But he's number one for me. Number two, I have Adley Rushman. Um, he's a star in the making, Alex. I am, am so impressed on what he brings. When you look at all of the stats, when you look at the war in what, just about a hundred and something games. I mean, he probably would have surpassed, uh, JT real Muto. If he played a full season, he would have been the leader in probably catchers for war. And that's insane to look at for a first year catcher, but he's number two, number three, Will Smith, number four, I have Wilson Contreras, and number five is Sean Murphy. So um, I guess how we'll start this is, so basically Sean Murphy being kind of in our latter half, we're, we're, we're pretty much in, in agreement there, and then also with Will Smith. Will Smith's a top three catcher. Um, I'm glad we both have him right there because it, it's, it seems like season in and season out, he is such a huge, huge bat in that Dodgers lineup, and rightfully so, he should be a top three how should you start this, Alex? Do you yeah, want to go so with uh, I'll, Adley I'll, first? Sounds good. Okay. I'll, I'll start off with my reasoning for Adley over JT. That was one of them. I think the most. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of the decisions that might create some of the most fun debate because both yeah. are obviously elite. Yes. Had elite years last year. JT has kind of been the guy the last few seasons. I would say maybe 2021, 2022, um, going into twenty twenty two. Maybe he might not have been the best. Like mm-hmm. there was maybe a little bit of concern. Like maybe. Um, Will Smith is such a good hitter that he surpassed him. Maybe Grandal with his 2021 walk rate stuff. Um, you know, maybe he kind of proved something there. But um, and, and what I'll say about Remilto too is that I think what what helps him a lot too is I mean the teammates he has around him. I mean he has Schwarber who is was the NL leader in home runs last year, and then he's got you know he's got 
Reese Hoskins batting, you know, right before him. And then you got Harper behind him. So he definitely has a lot of help in that where Adley does not. A hundred percent. And and so th- there's, there's a lot of interesting things when I was comparing the numbers of Real Muto and Rushman. Real Muto, if you look on StatCast, it looks like he has the best pop time of any catcher in yep. baseball yep. last season. It was a hundredth percentile. So the speed at which he gets rid of that ball um, for men stealing bases on him is still elite. Um, his framing was 61 percentile. So he's just barely above average as a framer last year. And Adley, interestingly enough, Charles was kind of was kind of more um, not dominant at pop time or framing, but still uh, well above average at both. 79 percentile on the pop time, 84 percentile in the framing. So he's like a B in both, yeah. essentially. Actually, not a B. I would say an A because um, 50% would be average, right? But mm-hmm. he's 79 and, and 84, whereas A++ for... Uh, Real Muto's pop time C plus. And, and maybe like a C plus. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good good, uh, good way to put it. Um, so defense, I think you can almost say it's kind of a wash because they just have different strengths. But um, if I look at the hitting, Travis, um, there's a lot to like about what Real Muto did last year. Um, a lot of the uh, you know hard hit numbers, uh, the barrel rate numbers, they're actually better for Real Muto than they are for Rushman. So that's why I was really thinking I was going to end up picking Real Muto. But um, Rushman has some interesting skill sets that I think are super impressive. He was 96 percentile in walk percentage. So he's one of the best uh, eye discipline guys in baseball already as a rookie who played half a season as a catcher. I just can't even fathom how good that skill set is. And he's also 88th percentile in whiff percentage. So he's not only great at laying off balls, but he's also really good at not missing the ball when he does swing. So it's just a really great elite combination of having a good eye with also good contact skills. And he has a bit of pop to him as well. So I think that combination, I think it's going to age just super well. I don't really see any flaws in his um, hitting performance. Um, Real Muto actually hit the ball a little bit harder so there's definitely more, I think, upside in like if they're both having their best seasons, I see Real Muto probably being a bit better. Um, but I think that just on the whole going forwards, I just love what Rushman is going to be next year. And then my last note, Travis, based on their performances last year, um, looking at Fangraph's war, Real Muto was at 6.5, which is higher than Rushman at 5.3. But Rushman only played 113 games. That's 470 plate appearances, whereas Rumoto had 562 plate appearances. So uh, like 100 more plate appearances might account for that difference in war um, because their defense, we said, is kind of similar. And Rushman actually had the better uh, WRC plus um, by just a little bit, both very close. So I think that this is one of the closest... Um, I'm going to have in terms of who's my number one, who's my number yep. two for any position. But I ended up going with Rushman. I understand the argument for Real Muto. I just like trying to be um, a little bit ahead of the curve, if you will. I think that, you know, I would say JT has earned the benefit of the doubt, but I just have so much confidence in what Adley can do next year that I went with him. Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so, it's it's year one for Adley and he's already number two on our list or, you know, he's already in our top two. So it just, it just shows the respect we have for him. Also, uh, surprisingly, happy birthday for Adley Rushman. Did not know that. 25 years old today. Shouts out. It's crazy. We're the old guys now. It's crazy, Travis, <laughs> that he, uh, he is older than Juan Soto, which is just like, Soto is like already a, so super, a superstar That's in so our funny. mind. That's going to be like a trivia question or just like a little, like, 
tidbit fact that we'll be saying for years, I, years in and years out. I, I need know? to, I need to like figure out if this is still true or not. But like at one point during the last season, it was true that Juan Soto had never faced a pitcher that was older than him, or sorry, that was younger than him. Hmm. Wait, yeah, 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 younger yeah, than him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, his age is still kind yeah. of mind blowing. But yeah. but but that's yeah. Happy birthday to Adley. Um, you know, I I. He also is like a good dude. Nothing to do with the rankings, but I see all these videos of him. Like, um, you know, his first game, he went out there and shook the hand of the umpire. And yes, I see him at yeah. like I see him with all the Orioles fans. He's at a fan s- festival signing days autographs. Ago and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's great. Um, I'm glad that he's already kind of getting this kind of credit that we're giving him. Yep. Um, what do you want to talk about next on this list? Of so our top fives? basically, talking. I mean, nothing really discussed. I mean, Will Smith. We can talk about him forever. I mean, I mean, he's been consistent since 2019. He's just been a uh, he he always you always know what you're gonna get with him. He's get, and it's funny because he's one of the catchers that bats in the middle of that Dodgers lineup. You always see him batting fourth or fifth for that Dodgers lineup at times. So I it, I, I thought his bat fell off a bit last year, but it really did yeah. not. A lot of his numbers are still really good. He's excellent at walking and making contact. Much I thought like, so too. Much like Rushman, and I think he had a career high in home runs, if I'm not mistaken. It was still it was pretty high. He I think he has no weaknesses in the plate. Okay. He has good he has good pop. The contact is still really decent and then the power is very very good for yep. a catcher. The defense is no is no liability either. He's about mm-hmm. an average framer, above average pop time, average speed, so. And if you're listening, I, I would say Riamuto, Rushman and Will Smith, that's your tier 1 of catchers right there. They, sure. If you had to make a tier, that is tier 1. Sure. Tier 2, now we're getting into the other guys. You had Sean Murphy, I believe number 4. four. Okay. And then you had Alejandro Kirk, number five. Yes. Okay. So I have, of course, had Sean Murphy, number five, Wilson Contreras, number four. Pretty similar, I guess, ranking because, I mean, four and five, not really too much of a huge difference right then and there. But Sean Murphy, excellent, excellent defensive catcher. Does, of course, I I mean, not going to say he needs work offensively, but I think there are some things he could still work on. I think going to the Braves, it's definitely going to help him a lot out now playing you know, no offense playing in Oakland last year. It probably wasn't the greatest motivation to go out there and really just, um, you know, not say give it your all, but just, you know, having the the, the players around you, it's definitely harder to, I think, have a, a tremendous season. But I, also, uh, I, think, I think the ballpark, I just can't imagine like having like monstrous offensive years yeah. at that ballpark uh, sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah I, I agree with what you're saying exactly, because. The reason why he's not in that top tier with the other three is his defense is as good or better than all those guys. But um, I'll, I'll back that up by saying 96 percentile pop time. So one of the best pop times in baseball, 84 percentile framing. So really good at both of those things. Um, he has the max power. His max exit velocity is very good. It's 94th percentile. Mm-hmm. So his max pop is very good, but it doesn't come consistently enough. Um, because some of his other hard hit numbers are just not quite as impressive. It doesn't happen as frequently as as some of the other hitters. So yep. th- there is that weakness in his game offensively. I think that Will Smith and the other, you know, the top top uh, top tier catchers do not have. He's not quite as good of a walker nor a contact guy as Will Smith, Rio Muto, and Rushman. But um, we're comparing him to you know elite guys that, that we view in such high regard. Of I think course. Murphy is. Um, good enough to be a perennial all-star yeah. factor in that defense and that power. And I'll tell you one thing: the the Braves got him on a steal, and they got him to an extension on a steal. I mean, they are getting it's, a it's a big improvement to their lineup. They, I think. they they are they are really getting a a great contributor for what eleven million dollars a year. So that'll be fun to see for the next coming seasons for Atlanta. The reason why basically I have Wilson Contreras in my top five, Alex. Um, 
was top five in catchers for uh, baseball reference war last year, a 3.9 for Wilson Contreras. Also was second um, out of all catchers in OPS plus at a 128. I believe Rio Muto was at a 129. And so Wilson Contreras still brings the bat, still brings the offense. Um, defense, of course, is a, a, another a decently good point with Wilson Contreras, but um, I, I will say I, I have him in the top five basically just because so far the offense has really not slipped with with Wilson Contreras. He's he's been a uh, he was a superstar with the Chicago Cubs at least. He was the bright spot. Another guy that I think we talked about should have been traded long long ago, but did not and basically walked away from the Chicago Cubs. I, I think the Cubs definitely could have gotten a nice piece. I know last year there was a lot of talks with him going to the Mets, and I was just thinking, man. Me- Cubs possibly could bring in like a Brett Beatty and possibly even like some other prospects as well. It could have been a nice, fun addition for the Cubs. Um, and that's where you go back to it saying, what are some teams doing? Like, wouldn't you want to commit to, you know, selling everyone for assets, for prospects and just gearing up for the future? But anyways, Wilson Contreras now on the St. Louis Cardinals. That, in my opinion, I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun to see how that whole lineup, again, is evolving. You're getting a better contributor than Yadi or Molina. Oh, yeah. He is in my top five for catchers, Alex. You had Alejandro Kirk. But before you answer Kirk, I guess you should hear the rest, I guess, of our uh, you know top fives. Because, Sounds good. Um, Kirk is right there, right behind what you had. So I basically, for my, my number six guy after Sean Murphy, that's where I put Alejandro Kirk. So... Alejandro Kirk was the starting, he was a starting catcher for the AL All-Star team, correct? Uh, was he? He was. Okay. Uh, he fell off a little. It was him and Trevino were the two guys right, nominated, right. I believe. He fell off uh, in the second half. The numbers um, the numbers are still really good, but he definitely did fall off from what he was providing in the first half. But Alejandro Kirk, uh, a young, good uh offensive driven catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays so he is in my number six spot um, number seven Alex kind of be a little bit of a surprise but I have Cal Raleigh um, w- what he provided down the stretch for the Seattle Mariners was it was very impressive the power that he was able to provide was uh, something special I mean I mean he it, it's funny just he looks almost like a Jordan Alvarez coming to the plate because he's just a big burly left-handed hitter and can just smoke the ball out of the ballpark that that magical home run last year that sent the Mariners to the playoffs um, that was definitely a big hype uh, hit for that franchise's history but Cal Raleigh whatever he provided last year was special and he, he had to at least give recognition on my top 10 the next three guys I have Alex will be Danny Jansen at the number eight spot Still have Salvador Perez in my top 10. He's number nine, even though he took a really big step back in 2022, but he's at my number nine spot. Number 10, Mets Francisco Alvarez. Wow. He only has 12 at-bats, Alex. This is what I'm talking about where I think he's definitely going to be a breakout player in 2023, but that's that's the rest of my five for my top 10. Kirk, Raleigh, Jansen, Perez and then Francisco Alvarez being number 10. Give me who you got, who you rounded out your top 10 with. Okay. So my sixth, Cal Raleigh. So we agree about kind of similar spot of our list. Mid tier. Yep. Yeah. Seven, uh, I would go finally Wilson Contreras. Okay. Eight, Danny Jansen. So we're really in line here on most of this stuff. Yep. And then nine and 10, we differ by a, uh, a good amount. <laughs> nine, and it's it, it just because, um, you know, the, 
I'm not just going to say these guys are kind of a step down from guys we've already mentioned, but it becomes like there's kind of a pool of guys. You have to make some cuts. Yep. And so yep. I actually have nine with Jonah Heim. Okay. And 10, I have Yasmani Grandal. Okay. So um, still the faith in Yasmani. I mean, I, I, I could say the same thing as still the faith in Salvador Perez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at least I think. But the war is in a negative 1.5. So, you know. Yeah, but it, it comes down to what I think they can provide next year. And I just feel like Grandal still probably can get you maybe below average defense, but still, um, I think, still fair defense. Whereas I think Perez is – the thing is Perez is still going to get the innings played. He's still yeah. going to get the starts just because um, what he means to the Royals, I guess. And and they're not really trying to go anywhere, you know. So um, – his job is kind of more secured as being an everyday catcher and then probably even DHing the days when he's not catching. So I can see him getting better counting stats than Grandal next season, perhaps. But I think Grandal is still truly one of the best um, discipline guys in the game. Uh, his even, even though last year, Travis, his numbers were really, really abysmal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pulling up his stat cast really, now. Really, really abysmal, yeah. Okay, Travis is just a, is just a Grandall hater for some reason. Not but, a um, Grandall hater. I every year I get him in fantasy. He just he, that, that's why I hate him. I get him in fantasy every year, and he just continues to let me down. But yeah. So uh, the, and also Grandall and uh, and Salvador Travis, they're like the two complete polar opposites of the spectrum in terms of their plate approaches. I mean, both have power, yeah. but um, Salvador is a much, very much of a free swinger. He yeah. he's one of the lowest guys in walk percentage year in and year out. Whereas Grandal is really only focusing on walk percent. Uh, Grandal Travis, despite his uh, woes last year, still 91 percentile in terms of his walk percentage on the season, 92 percentile in his chase rate. So not swinging at balls, his sprint speed, very bad. His pop time, very bad. He's lost a lot of that agility. He's now 34, which is kind of surprisingly old, but still above average at a 55 percentile framing so still a pretty much an average framer um his contact is actually not that big his swing and miss is not that big of an issue actually the whiff percentage is 66 um but he does strike out too much i'd say um even though the numbers are about average for the strikeout rate um you you just i think he needs to make some improvements with with i guess the contact overall um, but he still hits the ball above average for max exit velocity, average exit. There, I mean, I could just go on listing some of these stats, but I, I just think that there's a lot more things that point towards a chance that he could bounce back next year. The problem is, Travis, um, how long can he be a catcher is the, is the thing. He, he might be a DH. He might be a first baseman. Um, there might be some moving around there. Um, that's one of the big reasons why I almost left him off because mm-hmm. I'm not 100% um if he's gonna be an everyday catcher and that's actually one of the reasons why i left off a guy like william Contreras, the brother to william Contre- oh, yeah bro- brother to wilson Contreras, just because um i just think that i'm not sure if he's even going to be catching all the time he might see a lot of dh time so um some of these positional conflicts might even influence my decision making but um i just think that there's a lot to like with uh Grandal's chances to bounce back whereas Salvador Perez even though he still brings tons of pop when he does make contact I've just never liked his plate approach with um so many um like so few walks very uh poor defense poor sprint speed um it's really just kind of swinging for the fences I feel like if teams started giving him the Javi Baez treatment Travis and just threw him balls like way off the plate he'd be swinging at them honestly and um I I, I I'm just kind of confused as to you know, 
obviously he's a pro hitter. I don't want to bash him too hard, but I just feel like the the plate approach is so questionable sometimes that I lose faith in him. I guess that's my main point. But that's and that's fair. I I I, I would say to to back up Salvador, I I don't think he was ever. I mean. I don't think he was ever raised on walk first. I think right. his mindset always is, I want to hit the ball in the gap. I want to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And and one thing I re- will say about Salvador is that, you know, you take away 2019, and even if you kind of take away 2020, just because it was a, um, even though 2020 actually had a really good uh, 37 games. But right. um, yeah, I feel like you're always going to get that, you know, north of 20 home runs. You're always going to get an average that's somewhere sitting around the 240 to 260 range, you know the on-base is gonna is never going to be impressive. I mean, last year's on-base was a 316, and that's I think that was almost that's almost career high for him, which is, is, is pretty sad to say, but I'm not too concerned. I don't really care if Salvador is getting on base or not. I think with his main his main target um stat line is the slugging percentage and that's where he'll still provide tons and tons of pop even though there was a drop last year there's a drop of course uh, on the whole entire board of baseball in in slugging percentage and in pop um and, and with yasmani um you did you did mention still of course walking a a good amount um 15 of his at bats i just checked it yeah yeah and 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 Yasmani, I'm not. I'm not even going to bash him for even having a. a, a he's never going to have a good batting average. He's never going to be a good um, contact hitter. He's always just basically going to have a somewhat poor batting average and a very good on base. The one number that does surprise me that is very big and concerning is a 269 slugging percentage. To me, that's just the big eye opener as to, oh geez, like I mean, when your slugging percentage is below your on base. That's where you're kind of wondering, like, is this a is this a David Fletcher kind of player? Is this a Ichiro Suzuki type of player where it's it's strictly singles only, nothing to deal with extra base hits? But um, I'm I, I'm gonna throw in a little wrinkle there that you just I didn't think about this at all until you just mentioned that. Um, he might be one of the guys that gets helped by the the shift being banned. True, he, he is a true. he's a pull hitter. I think a lot of uh, he hits hard ground balls right into that shift, and I think that. Um, that being eliminated could potentially increase Good the slugging point. percentage. Um, but I, I, I hadn't thought about that at all. But he is someone who might benefit from that. Um, Salvador, I feel like, probably goes all fields. Yes. Um, I don't have those numbers in front of me. Um, so I'm not sure if it would help him as much. But it definitely could um, just with some of these power uh, guys who hit the ball hard, essentially. But, yeah. Um, and that will be interesting you to watch. Me of that. Good, yeah. good point in that we could really see a rebound in in his numbers um actually you know alex i mean if you had a bet i I think yasmani will have a better season than last year it's hard to do worse it's hard to do worse especially with no shift so he will have a better season salvador he definitely could have a worse season next year i don't really know how many more special seasons we're going to see like 2021 of salvador perez um whereas yasmani and then the big question with like you mentioned is he going to play catcher anymore is he going to be a dh only if he's a dh you know, the numbers are still decent, um, but I, I feel like in a DH, you'd want, you know, more home runs uh, and Yasmani's not going to provide you, you know, 30 or 40 home runs in a season. So his value may drop on that aspect of it, depending on what you kind of uh, you, you criticize as being a DH or what you want a DH to bring to the table. But um yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I'll I'll, I'll just kind of give a little bit of love to jansen since he's just both of our was he eighth for you too both, yeah yeah I, i'm glad you brought him up i wanted to talk about him too yeah um so there's just like it's such an interesting situation that the blue jays find themselves in obviously they just traded away their young 
uh, catcher prospect to the Diamondbacks, but they retain their two. I feel like, honestly, if Danny Jansen was on another team, he could probably be like an all-star caliber type player. Easily, easily. Um, what he did offensively this last year was was pretty impressive, but he did it in limited time because he has Alejandro Kirk as the main catcher. And I'll talk about kind of Kirk because I never really touched on Kirk yep, because yep. Um, we moved on to the 6-10. through 10. So I'll talk about Kirk and Jansen, kind of both of them at the same time. So um, if I look at uh, Kirk's numbers... Um, from last season, like you mentioned, they kind of fell off uh, towards the second half, but still a 285 average, 372 on base, 415 slugging is is honestly probably pretty elite for a catcher, a 129 WRC plus, almost four Fangraphs war for someone who kind of really is bursting onto the scene for the first time. Um, and I'll also add this, that I don't personally think, I think he can even be better is, is, is the way I'll put it. Um, if you look at like the the Fangraph steamer like uh, projections, they have him. Let me see here. They have him actually with a four, third best Fangraphs war next season by their predictions, and they have him at a one forty one WRC plus, which would be by far the best of a catcher. I think there's definitely a claim that he could potentially take over Will Smith's uh, job as best offensive catcher in baseball, just pure hitting. I think. Um, Maybe some people might not. Maybe some people might say that it's even Real Muto after last season, but I think Real Muto comes back to earth a bit, and I think Kirk has room to grow uh, personally. If I look at some of Kirk's stuff on um, on Statcast here, uh, just some of the numbers are really uh, really solid. He's a unique combination of good walk percentage and also very very few swing and misses. His his whiff percentage, Travis, is ninety four percentile. K percent, 98 percentile. So he's almost like a David Fletcher, Michael Brantley type contact hitter. But then he somehow walks a ton as well and brings an above average exit velocity and hard hit percentage. So you're just getting this really unique player, Travis. And we know he's a unique player because yeah. we talk about him, you know, 5'8", 245 pounds yeah. as a behind, a the, behind the plate. Um, actually elite framing numbers too, but a poor pop time. So um, just a really unique guy. Um, that's why he cracked my top five. I think that if I knew for sure he was going to be a full-time catcher and be defensively solid, I might've had him in that top tier with those other three guys we mentioned, okay, but no. I just, I just don't know. He's going to see DH time is what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if he'll be a catcher permanently long-term, which is why he took a bit of a hit for that. Um, back to Jansen Travis, who I kind of I kind of steered away from. Um, I think that he uh, last season had a, a pretty monstrous year. Um, One forty WRC plus for him. The two sixty uh, average, three thirty nine on base, five sixteen slugging. That slugging Travis is really what kind of makes it. He had yes a fifteen home runs in in uh in seventy two games played. So like. Uh, less than half a season he played and had 15 homers from a catcher position. 2.6 Fangraphs war and less than a, a full season played, you know. Um, I think that if he was a full-time catcher elsewhere, he would get, um, you know, a much more consideration as a top 10 catcher Easily. across the league. Give me your case for Jansen, um, why you have him where you yeah, have him. And, and good thing Kirk and Jansen don't play, uh, you know, in the NBA because they'd probably be really getting tired of one another taking away the spotlight and the fame. I, sure. I, I just thought about that right now where both those guys probably aren't interested in, you know, receiving individual awards, even though it's it's definitely a nice thing to have. I, I definitely see them both uh, taking away each other's spotlight 
Um, I, I think both those guys could be elevated. But I mean, talk about the Blue Jays organization. Imagine having two of your catchers inside the top 10 for all catchers of MLB. That's pretty spectacular to think about when a lot of teams don't even have their top primary catcher in the top 10. But Danny Jansen, um, two, a 2.9 baseball reference war. And, and looking at those numbers where 72 games played, if he would have played on, let's just say, you know, the Texas Rangers or, or another organization, you know, you're looking at uh, 144 games played. If you double those marks, that's pretty attainable for a catcher. I think Sean Murphy was in the 150s for games played. But I mean, imagine having a close to a six war for a starting catcher and also having, you know, 30 home runs, 50 walks, 20 doubles, you know, and even if the stat line, um, you know, at the average on base slugging and OPS all kind of dipped a little bit. I mean, it's still looking at a, top three almost top tier starting catcher right now in major league baseball so a lot of props to danny jansen i mean for what he's doing being kind of like the backup because i i consider him to be the backup and kirk to be the the full-time guy or at least the starting guy but uh, i mean the numbers he's providing as a backup is just i mean it's it's very impressive and that's why he rightfully so had to be on the top 10 for catchers because he's proving it with these numbers i mean i think just a very under the radar type of guy that no one really was you know thinking about or debating about when it came to their top tens for catcher but he 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 proves it right then and there that he is with those numbers right then and there but i'm glad we got to talk about him uh it just sucks a little bit that kirk and him are kind of stealing each other's little um, bit yeah. uh, spotlight but i'm glad the blue jays did something about the whole three catchers in their system they, they had to get rid of one and i know they wanted to get rid of um or they didn't want to get rid of but they they Smartly enough, they had to get rid of the guy that has not been um, that has not had success in major leagues just yet. So, yeah, and, and Varsha was a good return. Yes, it, it fits. It fits what you they need. Lefty. It fits yeah, what they lefties, needed. Yeah. Defensive outfielder that's going to be a lefty. Hopefully, give some pull power. Yep. Travis, um, before we move on from the position, let's last touch on this kind of the end of our lists, and then like maybe some of the honorable mention type guys. You had uh, Francisco Alvarez. I had mm -hmm. Jonah Heim. Yep. Uh, the reason why I had Haim is hey, he murdered angels last year. So he, I mean, you know. he he definitely has his big moments. I feel like I don't actually know this for a fact, but I feel like if you look at like home run amount and how many of them are grand slams, he's just a grand slam guy. Yeah, I think, yeah. I remember he, he one of his one of his first home runs was a grand slam, if not his first home run of his career. Then he had a grand slam off off Otani. Um, was it was that this season or last? I think it was the beginning of this season. I think yeah, I think it was. And then um. And then, yeah, I feel like he just is always just comes up in big moments. Not someone you want to face in big moments. His bat, Travis, it doesn't project that well, actually. It's not, I don't think he's going to be an elite hitter next year. Probably more of an average hitter. But the max power he is able to produce definitely makes him scary in big spots. 98 percentile framing. So one of the best framers in baseball. Um, the switch hitter probably helps his opinion in my mind, too. Um I, I'm not so sure he's definitely going to be a top 10 catcher next year. He was kind of a hard choice I had to make. But I love that the framing at least makes him – there will be that baseline value, right? He won't yep. just be this big negative war like waste in my mind. Like there's going to be solid value coming from that defense if nothing else. And the max power he is able to exhibit sometimes gives me hope that, you know – he can have this kind of hot week, hot month where he can just be this monster player. So that's why I he's he just kind of snuck into my ninth spot. And I'm glad you picked him because I was giving him some consideration too. If it wasn't um, Alvarez, it was going to be high, most likely at number ten, just because just because like you mentioned, he he seemed to have the the 
when the spotlight was on him or the biggest moments he came through and that that should matter for some of these you know circumstances so and and travis you had francisco alvarez you you kind of gave a little tease when you talked about the catcher <laughs> when you talked about catcher's position you hey, said, 12 at bats in the bigs right <laughs> and, and travis when you, when you said that like some guys who barely have played in the bigs i thought you were going to go logan ohapi angels catcher ah, as your 10th pick you know francisco alvarez so give, give me the, give me the logic behind why you went with alvarez and uh what, what made what made you make that decision basically you know alvarez is going to be hitting you know eighth or ninth in that lineup and he's he's going in with you know they, they just got rid of james mccann um so uh james mccant for certain mets fans but uh mccann will not be uh taking reps or taking time away from alvarez i'm pretty sure they're fully committed to kind of getting him up and running as their starting catcher on opening day and you know what he's gonna have zero pressure i mean look at the lineup that the mets have he literally has he doesn't have a huge responsibility at all. I mean, literally just learning from Pete Alonso, from Francisco Lindor, from Jeff McNeil. You got power hitters, you got contact hitters, you got on base guys like Nimmo. I mean, you literally get so much advice from all these guys and just from being the number one overall prospect as a catcher. Um, I, I definitely see him running away with that knowledge and and that expertise and having himself a very good season. Nothing like a, I, I don't know if he's going to have like an Adley first year or nothing like a, a Julio where you step onto the scene and you're like, wow, this guy is a superstar. But I definitely can see him having a special, special season um, this year. I, I'm sure he's already, uh, you know, one of the favorites for the NL Rookie of the Year for, uh, you know, for, of course, for the catching position, but for all National League. But I, I just think he is a guy that will, 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 will definitely take over when, when, when his time comes uh, to, to be, you know, that, that, that starting catcher for New York. I, I think that he can easily thrive there, at least right now. I know it's in New York. I know it's a tough place to play, but I think with, like I said, he's got no stress, no pressure around him. He's got so many guys to help him out. I think he'll definitely thrive. So, um, he he's my top 10 or and he's number 10 and I, I thought that was pretty bold just because 12 at bats he's two for 12 he's got one home run a good slugging percentage a good ops plus for his first 12 don't at give bats, me that. but i i know i'm not going to give you that but uh yeah sample size is too low but uh francisco alvarez i think he'll i think he'll he'll develop into a nice player i i think that makes a lot of sense um i didn't really consider him in my top 10 maybe i should have um, I almost went with with Ohapi. I have Ohapi okay. listed, Travis, as an honorable mention. One of my three honorable mentions. Um, Ohapi. If you look at, depending on which uh, which projection system you look at, some of them prefer Ohapi, some of them prefer Francisco Alvarez. So I can see the case for both. It probably mostly comes down to play time, right? Both yep. these guys are not really guaranteed the starting spot, but could earn it this season, depending on how they do in spring training, um, if they're on the team on opening day, all that kind of, all those kind of things will factor in but and and from the stats that you see i mean ohapi has you know i and i'm not going to compare 14 at bats to 12 at bats between ohapi and alvarez but um does ohapi seem like he'll be a guy that can get extra base hits or is he almost looking like a singles guy right now or is he going to be light on the extra base hits um do you have any of those projections at all yeah i personally do think he's going to have extra base power for sure um, so if you look, I'm looking at first uh, Zips, which is a Fangraphs projection. They have so they're the ones who favor uh, your guy Francisco Alvarez. Okay. They have him as the they actually have him as the 12th best Fangraphs war next season. That, that that's their expectation, 3.1 for him. So they have Alvarez as being a like 21 home run guy, and they have Ohapi being like a 16 home run guy. 
Um, they have a hobby having 461 uh, plate appearances, which probably seems a little high yeah. in my estimation, unless he really um, gets hot early. But Travis, what he's been able to do in Double A, Logan O'Hoppy, I mean, I think one of the best hitters in Double A period, right? Like not just for catchers, just hitters, hitters. Period. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was absolutely going off. Um, we both, you know, probably turned on notifications on on Twitter for every time he hit a home run. We wanted to see yep. exactly what um, where that ball was landing, but he was he was mashing the ball. Um, so, like I said, Zips has Ohapi at about a 108 WRC plus, so an above average hitter. If I go over to Steamer, which is their other um, proje- projection system, they actually like Ohapi more than Alvarez. They like Ohapi as the 16th best catcher in baseball next season with 118 WRC plus, so a well above average hitter in is pretty much what would be his first real time in the bigs if you ignore the last two weeks of last season. They think he could be a 246 average, 332 on base. 438 slugging next season all just projections obviously but they think he could get about a 2.1 fan graphs war in about 74 games played so if he ends up doing that that would just be uh you know more than make me more than happy mm-hmm. um with with his development so i think that he does have extra base power travis i like his plate approach too i think he's prone to getting walks had a really good on base percentage in double a also a good slugging so i do have a lot of optimism for Ohapi, both um, yes. in terms of his plate approach his power all of the above um travis my other honorable mention who you also did not have on your list either Travis Darno. No. Oh no. Is that, is, that, is, he, is he one of your honorable mentions? <laughs> I, he gave consideration, but I mean, I, I don't see him trending anywhere upwards ever in the future. So I'm surprised that neither of us included Jose Trevino. Jose Trevino, Travis, last year hmm. he earned 3.7 FanGraphs right. WAR. The hitting was nothing special at the beginning. He was hitting lots of contact, and mm-hmm. it was kind of like this Yankees like feel good story. Um, but he ended up being, I think, possibly the best defensive catcher in baseball last season. Um, if not, then at least one of the best. Um, I'm pulling up those numbers now. But yeah, platinum glove and gold glove. Yeah. He he really has a contact first approach. It's almost like he honestly his bat is almost like if Sal Perez had no pop. Yeah. So he's swinging a lot and not really getting that many walks. But um, his contact rate was pretty solid. So. Um, overall, I think, yeah, the platinum glove component made me almost put him in. Um, but I think the bat is just next year is just not going to be good. I'm just not very high on his offense. So even if the glove remains elite, I'm just not so sure. Um, the framing was a hundred percentile last year, but yeah, the, the expected Woba, the hard hit numbers, it's all not very good. The walk percentage, not very good. Avoided strikeouts because he can make contact with the ball, but, um, that's about it. Any, any did he have any consideration for you at all? Um, he, or, you know or who else you, was on your honorable mention? You surprise me right now. Um, <laughs> so, so not on your radar at all. Not really on my radar at all. Which again, I, I kind of look back and I'm like, oh, that's right, he was an all star, and you platinum did, didn't really think about it too much. But yeah, not really on the all star. I mean, I mean, some guys I, I, I was thinking about were um, Nola on the Padres. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't think Tom Murphy played a lot last year for the Seattle. Kurt Manors. Suzuki. Um, oh. <laughs> God, he was first guy. I, I was debating him or or JT. It's, al- it's almost not fair to rank him. It is. It's, He's it's, like rank zero. It, it, it's if there's negatives, there's there's a place for him. But um, you know, Jonah Heim definitely was a guy I was looking at as well. Um, and then you know, I, sure. I, I, I it's I'll, I'll mention uh, William Contr- William Contreras is someone who yes. I had um, as an honorable mention. 
He was an all-star. I was as, thinking as about a, him. But was I, he an all-star as a DH? He was a DH, and then I think he played also some first base and some catcher, and so that's why I was like, I don't know where to put him. I, I, yeah. He's kind of in that if we had a top 10 utility, then William could definitely be on that, or maybe when we have our DH, we can talk about William there. But uh, I always thought of him as a DH first, but he does play catcher as well. So I guess um, we could also put in uh, Kyle Schwarber as a uh, possible catching candidate because I know he played a little catcher uh, I think, in the minors. So. I think Taylor Ward played some catcher when like someone when someone got hurt last season. He put on the the gear for like two innings or something. That's and, true. And held it down. So That's true. That's um, true. Travis, we can probably move on to pitchers now. Yes, we've talked about catchers quite a bit here. Starting pitchers first, or what? Uh, starting pitchers first, yeah. Question is, who's going to go first between me and you? <laughs> I guess. Uh, did you go first last time? I did. Okay, I guess I will. Uh, I will lead it off. But um, we'll start number one, correct? Yes. Okay. So I'll do my top five, and and you know what, Alex, I'm I'm going to say this. It it it's shocking me. This top five, like I was shocked the way I kind of organized it. But number one, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> number one, best starting pitcher I feel is Corbin Burns. Number two, I have Justin Verlander. Number three, I have Sandy Alcantara. Number four, I have Carlos Rodon. Number five, I have Aaron Nola. Look at you. Okay, we have something to talk about. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. So one thing we agree on, Travis, I have Corbin Burns number one. Good. So I am, I am very, very surprised that when I put Corbin Burns number one, I thought you definitely would not have him number one. Not because for any reason besides, um, I feel like he's just not been the consensus, right? I feel like no. if you just polled America, who's the best pitcher in baseball, Corbin Burns would not get, you know, 5% of the vote, I feel like. But but anyways, we both agree he's number one. Two, I go to Grom. Three, I go Carlos, <laughs> Carlos Rodon. Yep. Four, I go Shohei Otani. Five, I go Garrett Cole. <laughs> So quite a different <laughs> two through, almost that's, almost a completely different two through that's five. Fun, yeah. Okay, so we'll just give our let's just give some quick praise to Burns and explain yes. why he's our first pick, and then yep. we can get into the debate. So for Burns, for me, Travis, I think he's one of the safest bets. The issue with Degrom is you can't count on him to be healthy. Burns, the last two seasons, Travis has been very good on the innings pitched. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I think in 2021 he didn't have elite innings pitched is because Craig Council wanted to save him yep. for the playoffs and just trust they had a good bullpen, you know. But then last year, let him be a little bit more of a workhorse, and he handled the extra load very well, in my opinion. His cutter is one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's probably the best cutter in baseball among starting pitchers. So um, there's just tons of like with Burns. He's the safest bet in my opinion. I think that Rodon and DeGrom, who are my two and three, both have some injury risk. Otani, number four, hate to say it, but there is a bit more injury risk than I feel like there is with Burns. So I just think that Burns is a really safe yes. pick at number one. Also, some of your guys, like you had Verlander, number two. You know, age Burns is much younger, so he yes. gets, he gets kind of the benefit of the doubt with the age, with the injury risk. He just feels like a safe pick to be consistently one of the best pitchers in baseball. Is that why you had him at first as well? I I, I just see the last two years he's been just dominant, and I, I I can't ignore that. So that's why Burns was safely number one. Um, and it's funny you had you had a question for me. I think it was like five or six months ago, and we were talking about the the best two pitchers in baseball, and we were talking about Degrom and Cole, and I thought back to that today and I was just wondering, like, it just feels weird not having these guys in my top two or even my top three right now. But uh, your top five, my top five, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe top my, two, maybe, top three. It's maybe like, maybe top ten either. So we'll see. <laughs> so so 
Burns, you know, hats off to Burns him. Burns number one. Can set, he's easy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why Siri's trying to interrupt the podcast, Travis, but let's just let's just mute her right now. She brought up something about Youngstown. I don't know. I don't know what she's. I don't know what she's hearing us say, but um, Travis, I go number two to Grom. Yes. I almost went number one to Grom. Mm-hmm. A lot of projections still think he has is the best pitcher in baseball. Yes. I think on a rate basis, he is still by far the best pitcher in baseball. I just can no longer count on him to pitch. A full season, and right? That's on, and that's and that's that's what I'm scared of. Yeah. Somehow, Travis, I'm looking at steamer projections. They have him at 172 innings pitched next year. I don't see it. 172. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I don't see yeah, it. Yeah. I like yeah. I like Degrom a lot. I'm trying to make sure we aren't, aren't being anti Texas biased, Travis. No, no, of course, as, of course. As as Angel fans, when he went to Texas, we were all kind of like, oh bummer. We have to pitch. We have to play against him all the time now. I'm trying to take that out of the picture, all my personal, you know, thoughts aside. Just looking at the numbers here, um, they project uh, Steamer projects him to be a two six five ERA. No one else is even below a three for their projections. So I really do personally think on a rate basis, he is still gonna be flat out dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, the strikeouts he's able to to induce is crazy, still limits the walks like crazy. Um, if you guaranteed every pitcher does the same amount of innings, he's my easy pick for number one. But okay. that's no that's no guarantee. So he was number two for me. He still has the potential to be honestly like, like the most valuable player in the sport if he pitches like 200 innings, right? Yeah. And so that's why he has to be number two for me, but not number one. Which would be interesting if you could do like a betting odds on like innings pitch for DeGrom, like over under 150. I want to like, see where Vegas would have that like number. If they had at. that kind of stat, like what, what would it be? Because it's like... Dude, I I just I don't know if you can go six months healthy. He, he's lost know? he's lost the benefit of the Which, doubt for us. Yeah, yeah, but but I I mean what what's what's upsetting for me to say is that he's still of course when he's healthy he is he is number he's arguably number one. You know he is the best pitcher in the world. He's the best pitcher in the game, but the health is just such a big factor. And then looking at the rest of my list, you had Rodon where. I had Rodon number four. Okay, I am three, so very similar spot. He, in my mind, is like a little bit, a little bit worse to Grom, with a little bit less injury risk. Like there's still some injury risk, but he still strikes out guys like crazy, much like Degrom does. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love what Rodon brings to the table. Um, yeah, I think Steamer has him as like the the third most WAR for any pitcher, but. Um, next season that's their pro- projection but and also Rodon leading um all last year leading FIP yeah handsome or you know in in good fashion so yeah yeah and so and, and the so the, the strikeout component um the limiting walks component are both big and that's why he's had such a good FIP last year um and I think there's just a lot to like about you know even though the move to New York Travis going especially from San Francisco, which is a, obviously a pitcher-friendly ballpark to New York, a hitter-friendly ballpark, it may hurt his ERA, yeah. but I'm not considering that, right? I'm yeah. just caring about how good is the pitcher doing at throwing the baseball. I think he's still going to throw it really, really well mm-hmm. next season, um, which we agree on clearly because you have him at four. Let's talk about some guys we have different, I guess. Yeah. Or, or I don't know. Should we round out our top tens and then just go step by step or how should we do this because i'm sure some of the guys who you have six through ten sure sure i yeah. probably said you yeah, know yeah so you I'll, definitely have yeah. i'll go six through ten okay so i have aaron nola at six who okay. you had in your top five okay i have max scherzer at seven mm-hmm. i have spencer strider at eight okay shane mcclanahan at nine zach wheeler at ten 
So let's hear your 10 and then obviously Ooh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think I heard I don't think I heard the AL and the NL Cy Young award winners in your top 10 Alex. It's not my fault that voters don't know how to pick good pitchers, but go ahead, go ahead and give go ahead and give me your six through ten. So number six, I had Shohei Otani. Okay. Um, number seven, I have Garrett Cole. Number eight, I have Jacob Degrom. Number nine, I had Max Scherzer. Number ten, I had Zach Wheeler. So okay, some obvious ones right now is I know no Spencer Strider. Um, which I mean I, I I'm looking at a little bit as like kicking myself just because how much hype he's gotten. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. But I also didn't want to leave off some of these guys that have been around for so long, like Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer. When they're healthy, they are still very, very elite. So I don't want to at least just kick him off completely on my top 10. But uh, there are some there are some incoming guys in the starting pitching market that I think will be making lots and lots of noise. But um, Alex, I will start first just with Justin Verlander. So Justin Verlander, and I know I don't want to completely look at what he's going to be, what what he was last year, but I kind of have to. Um, last year, he was fourth in all of the MLB in FIP at a 2.489. He was first in ERA plus handsomely at a 220. He also, of course, led Major League Baseball in ERA as well. Um I just couldn't ignore what he was able to do coming off Tommy John and still being this dominant. Um, I'm very interested and curious to see how it translates to New York. That's, of course, a big question mark. But I still think right now today, Justin Verlander still shoves. He still is one of the top pitchers in Major League Baseball. Um, Next guy up, I'll quickly go briefly on because I did not hear him on on your top 10. But Sandy Alcantara, I just see him... Year after year, getting better and better. Um, last year, he had a top eight FIP in Major League Baseball. The innings were definitely a workload. Um, some of the numbers probably were a little bit, uh, you know, I, I won't say tainted just because, you know, the innings pitched were so much. Maybe he would have had a lower ERA, but um, I, I just, I, I think Sandy Alcantara has deserved that respect. I look at just what he's been able to do from 2021 now to 2022. The ERA was just a huge drop off. Um, not a big strikeouts guy, or at least his uh, his K's per nine is typically hovering around the 8.5 right. to nine. So he's typically doing a strikeout, a uh, an inning. But um, I I guess I just can't ignore what he was able to offer. He, he to me I, I I was very impressed last year. Six complete games, just a workhorse starting pitcher. I, I really respect that, and he has to be in my top ten. Um, and then surprisingly enough, Alex, the biggest question mark I have is seeing Cole DeGrom Scherzer seven, eight, nine. I, 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 I didn't, Cole was still good on the strikeout path last year, still very dominant. I think he led baseball or led the AL at least, but just the, the ERA was very questionable. He gave up a lot of big hits. Um, it, it just, I, I didn't see the Cole, the Cole train that we've seen the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I know I don't want to compare everything to 2019 or to 20, yeah, 2019 Astros Garrett Cole, but I just did not see that kind of level of Garrett Cole. DeGrom and Scherzer, the only reason they're so low on my list is just because of the injury. I just don't know what they can offer. Like you mentioned, do you think Scherzer will pitch more than 170 innings? I don't, I probably don't think so. Do you think DeGrom will? I, I don't think so as well. So, I mean, I, I guess it sucks to say I don't want to just 
bash him for not having so many innings pitched, but also I want to make sure I'm having pitchers on here that are going to be the consistent every fifth day or sixth day starting pitchers. I don't want to have injuries keep on coming into effect in here, even though I think Scherzer and DeGrom are on their way to Cooperstown. But um, at least I'm glad we had Zach Wheeler number 10 because Zach Wheeler... We, we I, agree somehow, yeah. Zach Wheeler, um, I was going to say, I was somewhat looking at even possibly even leaving him off this list, but I'm like, I just feel like the last two, three seasons, it's just been so consistent with Zach Wheeler that it's like, I, I can't leave him off. I, I, he's, he's just been so dominant. But um, I guess give me... I'll, I'll I don't give know how to you start with this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> give you. I, we, we were all over the map, but yeah, I'll give you the reasons why I have Justin Verlander and Sandy Alcantara, who are the Cy Young reigning winners, and both in your top five. Why they didn't make my top ten? I'll start there, and it really has nothing. It's not really that much to do with those guys. I don't think they're bad, right? That's not what this yep. is. Yep. I just think that. I think so much of the guys that I have on this list, I think the guys I have on this list are just a bit better. Verlander, Travis, still an elite pitcher. Um, I am truly, I'll take the L. I thought that he might retire after that injury. Mm -hmm. He came back one of Cy Young. That is so impressive and incredible. He is 39, though. And this, I, I just don't see this next contract aging very well. There is some small chance he's the next Nolan Ryan and pitches till he's like 45 yep. or something. Yep. But I, 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 I think that's just so um, unlikely. But he has proven to be an unlikely talent. He's famous for being able to throw, you know, even faster in like the eighth and ninth inning than he was in the first inning. Um, his fastball velocity, Travis, did not dip last year. You know, he wasn't showing age on the fastball velo. It was ninety-five point one was his average fastball last year, and in the in the year of his twenty nineteen Cy Young, it was even slower. So he actually yeah. is maybe even throwing faster than he was in twenty nineteen. You know, maybe the ball's a bit different. Who knows? But he still is not losing a step in that regard. He still is elite at avoiding walks, but. Um, he wasn't able to get that many whiffs, which is something that, you know, not a concern, but just something to kind of maybe a little bit of a ding. So I'll just, and then I'll, I'll go to Alcantara now, okay. Travis. He's someone who completely, I understand why he won the Cy Young, but for me personally, um, I think he was kind of a benefit. I think he benefited from the balls that were in play. Um, he was not elite with strikeouts. Like you mentioned, the strikeouts uh, his strikeout percentage, Travis, is 53, 53rd percentile. So he's pretty much average middle of the road when it comes to striking out batters. I like that number to be a lot higher. I know some people say, you know, if you hit, you know, Greg Maddox, you know, just weak contact can get you to the Hall of Fame. Not everybody's Greg Maddox. I think the most reliable way to get a guy out is to strike him out. Um, that's just kind of obvious. Um, otherwise, you're trusting your defense, yep. especially next year with that Miami defense. I wouldn't be trusting it that much, especially in the infield. So... Um, he still throws the ball really hard. Um, but yeah, I just think that the, the whiff percentage, the K percentage was not that impressive to me from Sandy, even though of course the ERA was very good. The FIP was good. Um, the, the workload is beyond impressive. Um, I completely understand why he earned, um, the, the award, but I just personally, um, I'm favoring other guys. So another guy who I'm favoring, Travis, is going to be Spencer Strider. He's someone yep. I'll talk about next. Yep. I honestly think, Travis, if Spencer Strider, if you guaranteed me 200 innings pitched, I probably would have put him like like third on this list. Yeah. Like I think yeah. he has – true. his skill set is so beyond elite. The only problem is he's pretty much a two-pitch pitcher. He throws 60% – 
sorry, 67% fastballs, 28% slider, and then there's 4% changeup. So almost never a changeup. His fastball slider duo, Travis, is beyond elite, though. He's almost like the best closer in the world that they said, we're just going to make you a starter. And he just throws, you know, six innings at max, it feels like. But his numbers, Travis, are elite across the board. A couple outings, he got a little wild with the walk percentage, but his ability to miss bats was really, really elite. His velocity was beyond elite. His spin rate was good. The extension is really good. All the stat cast numbers say he is really, really uh, special. And then if I look at the, the steamer projections for next season, they actually have him at the, what what is it here? I need to filter away the relievers. Um, if I look at just the starting pitchers, he'd be the third best ERA next season by projections. Um, but the innings pitched, they only think he'll they only think he's gonna get to 154 innings pitched, which I kind of agree with. I don't see him being this 170, 180 innings pitched guy. I feel like he's someone who throws so hard you're gonna kind of try to conserve. He's almost like the next DeGrom, honestly, for me. That's kind of how I see him. DeGrom is all about fastball, slider. He'll mix it up sometimes, but I see Strider kind of following that path. Um, so for me, Strider, Travis, I think he's too big of a monster talent. I just kind of like him a bit more than Alcantara next next season. Um, and then if I was going to look on on the other side of things, of guys I like more than than Verlander, you know, McClanahan. I'll go to, to the AL That's there. Yeah. I think McClanahan um, is kind of like Strider too, but maybe a bit more innings pitched, a bit less of the efficiency. But McClanahan, Travis, last year, 2-5-4 ERA. Um, a three even uh, flip, a uh, fip, uh, 3.5 Fangraphs war, and that was on 28 starts because he did miss time. Um, I, I think that McClanahan next season, I think it'll be better than Verlander. Obviously, it's pending injury and development, but um, I, I think that some of these young guys coming up, Travis, are just kind of um, a different breed. They're just these guys just throw insane gas. Um, they miss bats like. Uh, like you know, like, like they're built in the lab, honestly. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I just give tons of props to some of these young guys, um, that are coming up. Um, uh, another guy who I almost wanted to put but didn't is Tyler Glass. Now you know he's been injured, but I expect him to be healthy next season. And and he misses bats like no other as well. He's like, he's like a Degrom except for instead of fastball slider, it's fastball curveball. So, um, there's lo- there's lots of these young guys who just throw flames, and I, I, I give them. You know, tons of credence. It, it, they weren't quite an, enough to knock off Scherzer um, or Cole, but for me, Verlander was kind of the odd man out. Not because of what he did last season, because last season he was very good, but I just don't see him trending next year as good as Cole and Scherzer, who were a bit better on the strikeout stuff. And uh, yeah, kind of kind of long-winded response there, but yeah. I just see yeah. some of these guys being able to outperform Verlander as he gets into another year where father time will uh, soon be knocking at the door. Okay. Where does Shane Baz fit in this top 10, huh? Baz is someone who <laughs> I had him in fantasy last year, Travis. I drafted him. I don't remember if he pitched like five innings. I have to pull it up. Yeah. yeah monster, he, he, he has monstrous potential, Shane Baz. Um, I'm still a big believer in him, but I'm not going to take him in fantasy just because I got to see him be healthy yep. first. Um, but in terms of next season, the guys who I mentioned, Strider, McClanahan, I expect them to be full go next season, right? I think they'll be healthy uh, in spring training and all that. I certainly hope so. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, we agree on Wheeler. We agreed on Nola. You got him five, I had him six. Scherzer, we had him in the similar range. So a lot of the stuff we agree on. Otani, I had him fourth. You had him sixth. Mm-hmm. So, like, we agree on a lot Which, of this stuff. Which, you know what? Stuff. I I was I was waiting for Otani. I was 
I thought top two for you. You know, I thought it was it was very close. I just think that there's a so up 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 um <laughs> I just think that Burns, DeGrom, and Rodon, the three guys who I had above Otani, are just a bit more safe bets because yeah. Otani is focusing on hitting as well. It's so much to keep track of. Um, he obviously is human, even though it feels like he's not sometimes that I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, he's going to be the best pitcher in the world next year, just because he's going to be focusing on hitting too. He has to train almost double what these other guys do. He's not only, you know, when he's a pitcher, Travis, he's scouting all the hitters he's going to face the next day. He's also scouting the pitchers he's going to face tomorrow. So the workload for him is so crazy. That I'm not going to put all that on his shoulders saying, yeah, next year you're going to be the best pitcher in the world. Yeah. But I do think he's going to be top five for sure. Um, that's where I have him at least. So any other big discrepancies in our list that we should address? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, the big... I'll, I'll say this. There's probably like 15, 20 guys that could make the top 10. Do you agree with that? Like, I feel like yeah. there's so many yeah. guys who are yeah. like good enough to be here with just one like crazy... Like, just like... Like, like, I feel like Luis Castillo is someone who, like, could end up on a list like this. True. Um, True. I mean, I feel like there's so many guys who deserve this level of credit, but, you know, we have to draw the line somewhere, you know. And, yeah. and if, if I look at some other, you know, starting pitchers that um, deserve this level, like like I said, Glass now, we didn't include. If you remember Valdez, Travis, last year, he broke records for uh, quality starts. Um, I think the Shredder, MLB Network's Shredder had Framber in the top ten. Right, and, 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 yeah. and we we both snubbed them. You know, Gosman. I would, I think I did. I give Gosman the Cy Young. I don't even remember, but no, I gave it to Otani. But yeah, but Gosman had great numbers too. Yeah, he, he had a really good FIP last year, but he didn't make either of our top ten. Woodruff has been in our top ten the last two seasons. Probably did not make our Surprised list. Surprised I didn't see your boy uh, Manoa. I thought, I thought he I, would have been. I think Manoa's probably sure. on a lot of people's top tens. <laughs> yeah, um, he is nowhere near mine. No, no shade. He actually clapped back at a. I, there was some guy on MLB Network, Travis, who said like he doesn't trust Manoa until he like loses weight or hits the gym or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's obviously not the issue, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like he fun, throws yeah. he throws gas, and and there's no, yeah, that's just silly. And then Manoa on Twitter was like, bro, like I'm one of the best at my position in the world. You're on TV talking about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, shout out to, to Manoa for kind of clapping back at that guy, but. Um, yeah, Travis, I think there's so many guys that have an argument to be on this kind of list that um, did not make the cut. Yep. So, it, 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 Travis, Urias, Kershaw, like yeah, some, yeah, some yeah, of these yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. so many guys could make this list that did not make the cut. Max Freed. Max Freed, I know. I know. Um, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like probably 20 guys could be a top 10 pitcher um, and we had to make a cut somewhere. So yeah, uh, yeah. anything else on, on, on starting pitching? That 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 basically deals with it all. I mean, it's a deep deep position i i know we can go all day if we make a top 25 it could be interesting as well but like you mentioned top 100 pitchers go yeah there there's 15 to 20 guys that are definitely deserving to be in 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 a top 10 position or guys that we could really see transforming in 2023 and becoming a top 10 pitcher next year this time but um yeah i i it, it, it was a confusing it wasn't confusing for me to make but it was just shocking when i was looking at some of the numbers and i was like i cannot believe i'm putting cole degrom scherzer like down this low but i just have so much more confidence in otani nola rodan and with alcantara kind of trending in the direction i think he's trending in and then burns just being burns and then for me it was like i, I have more faith in verlander getting through a season healthy than i do degrom and scherzer so i'm going to have him over those guys and then with garrett cole I mean, 
we could look at last year's kind of like an uh an outlier and, and it could be completely different this year we'll see but it just seemed like he i, I wonder what his um i'll look it up right now but i i, I feel like it was uh, every game i just feel like he was giving up a home run he, I, yeah i, I was I, about I, to say I, he, I think he he gave up a ton of long balls last year he definitely had like a home run up yeah issue le- led led the american league with 33 home runs given up so the the velo that he throws if you make contact with it especially at yankee stadium it has a good chance of getting out of the ballpark which i don't i don't i don't want to destroy him on and be like that's awful like you need to limit those home runs but it's funny when you when you lead the american league in home runs given up and also you lead the american league in strikeouts yeah it's, it'll be in strikeouts it's, so it's boomer yeah. bust with him yeah. and he's someone who i still have tons of faith in to be uh, really good next year i think i had him at uh, five on my yeah. list but yeah. um yeah he's someone that like you said, um, if you don't miss the bats, it could be dangerous for you. But he is, is also really good at missing the bats. So yes. it's, yep. it's it's feast or famine almost with him. Um, Which could I, be dangerous because, I mean, you, you you then you equate if, if some guys make some errors on the defense and then you give up a home run and you're down 3 nothing, and it's like, you know. And, and, and he faces. A guy faces, that gives up, you know. High, high amounts of contact but not a lot of home runs it's like oh he could have got a double play on that on, on that you know and, that, and and he's someone who uh he's in a division that's going to have lots of thumpers yes. all over the place so um he's yeah i think both both cole and rodon are fun to analyze because of that yankee ballpark and that division that they're in we'll see also how verlander uh handles the move to the nl east you know it should be a kind of powerful division but yep. we'll see how that shakes up travis let's keep it rolling over to relief pitching um, I think this is probably the one where you could make a case for a billion guys to like yes. be like your eighth best reliever. You know, it's not only the closers; it's also just who like who, there could be a really good seventh inning guy that we just you know, hundred really percent. And also, maybe you care about last year's ERA. Maybe you don't care about it at all because it was sixty inning sample size. And you just care about you know, there's strikeouts, there's guys who had saves, but there's guys who just only had holds, yep. and, and there's yep. just so many ways to look at things. Um, maybe you care about left on base. You know, guys that, you know, left so many guys on base, they did their job of, of leaving men stranded. So, um, so many ways to cut this position. Um, but I feel like we'll have, you know, like always, some similarities and then some big differences mm-hmm. I, I kind mm-hmm. of expect. So, you started off the last one. I'll start off this one. One through five. Um, number one, I, I am... I, before you start, Alex, I will I will mention, um, and I think we talked about it before. Oh, please, but, yeah. Um, Honorable mention, we, me and Alex decided we weren't going to have Liam Hendricks on this just because of what he's dealing with right now. Um, not to say it'd be unfair or we just wanted to – we, we want we want to give, of course, other people the opportunity to be in our top 10. But with we, what Liam Hendricks – you know, he's probably – I don't even know if he's going to pitch this year. So I, th- That was my thought. I mean, so, he, I, I'm not sure what the, what the cancer treatment is going to yeah. be like. I just know that um, he's someone who would have been on my list. Yes. I'll just say, put it that way. He would have been here. He's a top 10 guy. Yes. Um, and I am not exactly sure how much he's going to pitch next season, if at all. So I don't want to speculate, right? We yes. don't want to be here like, oh, he's going to come back in this month. Like, no, we don't know. And yeah. he should take his time. Yeah. So we're just going to not use him in this exercise. But he would have been here if he was a full go. Definitely. Um, wishing Definitely. him the best, of course. So, Travis, my one through five now um, is going to be starting off number one. Edwin Diaz, best pitcher in the league last year. I think he's going to be able to kind of keep that going. Um, will he be as good as last year? Almost certainly not. He was impossibly good last year, <laughs> yeah. but can still be, I think, the best in baseball next season, quite possibly. Number two, I am going Emmanuel Classe. Number three, to my surprise, I am going Andres Munoz. Oh, my 
of the Seattle Mariners. Travis didn't see that one coming. Oh, number four, I'm going Yoan Duran of the Minnesota Twins. And number five, I am going with all reliable former number one, Josh Hader. Surprise, surprise. Give me your top five, Travis. Then we'll talk. <laughs> I am I am I'm surprised and shocked, but um number one. We we matched there. Edwin Diaz is the best closer in the game. He is the best. Pitcher. I figured we'd match there. Yes. So and of course number two that that's pretty simple as well. Emmanuel Classe is number two easily. Those two guys are are in a in a world of their own with what they bring to their teams and how they close out games. So easy number one, number two, number three. A guy that I mean we talk about a lot, but I I have to include a number three is Devin Williams for me. Um, he. Very good last year as well. He 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 had he had an, a, a great season. No no huge hiccups for me that is 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 pressing or that I want to I want to really talk about. But he's number three for me. Number four, I have Ryan Presley, Houston Astros closer. I think also with the postseason being a little bit of a factor in my head as well, just how dominant he is. But uh, he's consistently just giving you. He, there's really no peaks and valleys in his game. I feel like all-star level year, closer. Yeah, he's year. just he's just gonna bring it to you every single season. You know what you're getting from Presley. You're not gonna have just an insane outlier here and there. But um, he's number four for me. Number five, Alex. I go with Rysel Iglesias. Um, Rysel Iglesias first half, a, not atrocious, but just not good. Rysel Iglesias second half, unbelievable. I mean, I think it was a point three four ERA for the Braves was locked down for them in August and September. So he fits into my top five. I know we've talked about Iglesias numerous times, Alex. He's he most times in our in our opinions, he's a top three relief pitcher. He is such a lockdown closer. Um I think it what was 2021 with the Angels, it was just it was it just seemed like every single game was was he, he didn't was, blow any saves it, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, or yeah, no, I think yeah. he, he never lost a game yes, when he came yes, in a safe yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Every um, every game at least I think that he did Blow, it was a tied game. We ended up winning that game. Yes. So, um, Rice Iglesias is number five for me. Um, and then let's just, I'll give you the six through 10 so we can at least talk about that because everyone that you talked about is on my list. But I just want to, of course, talk about the rankings and all that stuff. But give me your six through 10. Six through 10, I have six Devin Williams. So, you had him already on yours. Yep. He makes my list, of course. Seven, I go Pete Fairbanks, oh, which wow. was a, a bit of a surprise to some, perhaps. Eight, I go Rizal Iglesias. Uh, knew he'd be here somewhere. Nine, I go Felix Bautista of the Baltimore Orioles. Nice. Okay. And ten, I go Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Okay. So no, I don't think I heard Ryan Presley though. That's correct. No, no Ryan Presley. All right. And um, number six, I had Josh Hader. Um, Alex, I. It's funny. I was actually. I didn't want to leave him off my list, but I was looking at it and I'm just like, the numbers are just, they're just not pretty, but the postseason just cleaned it up for me. Like that to me, that was such a huge impactful postseason that Josh Hader is still, of course, a top 10 relief pitcher. And he's going to be number six in my list. Number seven, I have Ryan Helsley besides that wild card game in that wild card series. I mean, he was, he was automatic last year for the Cardinals. He, I think he throws like one Oh two. Um, he had some really nice numbers, He's number seven for me. Number eight, I have Yoan Duran for the Minnesota Twins. Number nine, I have Evan Phillips of the Dodgers. And then number 10 is where I had Andres Munoz. So quite a, uh, there's definitely quite a change. Similar from, names, different spots. Exactly. From Munoz on my 10 spot to Munoz two year, I believe three spot. Um, 
Give me. We'll talk about Munoz first. Get, get, Munoz is three on your list, correct? He's number three. Okay. And Charis, I had him at number two. I had him at number two. <laughs> Jesus and, Christ! And, and All I, right, and I moved him down. Charis, so last year he had a two four nine ERA, but his expected ERA was even better at a one eight four last year. A two point zero four FIP was uh, some of the best in baseball. I'm not sure if it was the best or not um, at the position. I, I'm sure Edwin was better actually, but yeah. Um, he threw 65 innings pitched. Um, so he wasn't really the full-time closer, only four saves, but he is the best closer in the Mariners bullpen for sure. I will tell you this, Travis, the Padres messed up big time. They traded for Austin Nola and they gave up both Munoz and Ty France and even more. And I just like wow, feel like you just right. you just lost like two guys who are probably top five at their position. Ty France maybe at least top ten in the position. Um and you know Austin Nola's been a pretty solid catcher, but that that's all he's been. But either way, Andres Munoz I think is super viable as a reliever. If I look at like the projections for next season, uh Steamer really, really likes him. They have him next season at a possibly a two four one ERA. Um, he is a strikeout beast, over 13 strikeouts per nine. They project next season. Um, if I look at his stat cast profile, it's where it really becomes impressive. He can throw uh, you know, a triple-digit fastball over 100 miles an hour, and he also has a wipeout slider that's um, averages around 90 miles an hour. So you're really just getting like um, like these two insane looks, like a power slider, power fastball. Um, it keeps everybody guessing. Um, he missed bats, uh, 99% tile for whiff percentage. He avoided hard, hard contact. He had a really good, uh, both strikeout and the walks is well above average as well, avoiding walks. So he really has no flaws in his portfolio as a reliever, in my opinion, just two pitches, but they get the job done perfectly. Um, his average exit velocity was also above 90 percentile. So I think there's really just, he is a... There's no holes in his game, in my opinion. He he he's not he's not too he's not too wild for a guy who throws flames, and uh, he just misses bats as good as pretty much anybody besides the absolute absolute best in the business. So I think Travis he is going to be. I'm not sure how the Mariners approach the closer role. Maybe he's not the closer per se, but I think they will they will put him in in the biggest moments, and he will continue to come through. That's my prediction. I'm very high on Andres Munoz, um, for got, better or for worse. They got Paul Seawald, you know. I think Paul Seawald um, is a pretty good pitcher. I'll put it that way. I think that Andres Munoz is the third best pitcher in baseball at relief position at this moment in time. We'll see if I end up being right about that, but I would be watching out for Andres Munoz. His numbers were uh, amazing last year. Mm-hmm. I expect they can get even better um, by my by my estimation. So um, that's my thoughts on him. You, I, I'm glad you at least included him. I, I was I was kind of thinking you yeah. wouldn't just because he's not a closer. Uh, only had four saves last year, um, but he obviously throws gas. He's he's probably the guy, Travis, who I just know that if we're if we're the Angels playing the Mariners and we have a rally going in like the seventh or eighth, they're just going to go Munoz and shut us down. And it just yeah. feels like he's a really kind of one of these for sure bets out of the pen. Um, you're right. I did not have um, – I'm blanking on the Astros closer. Ryan Presley. I did not have Ryan Presley – um, he was my biggest deliberation at the 10 spot with Helsley. I just like Helsley's um, profile a little bit better. Um, there's a very, very good chance that I think uh, Presley outperforms Helsley next year. Um, 
because Presley is like kind of a model of consistency, like you said. But there's just a bit more upside with, I think, what Helsley brings to the table. Amongst other guys like Fairbanks, um, Felix Bautista, these are guys who I think most people um, might not have expected me to say. But I think that they um, have the potential to be um, really lockdown ace closers. Uh, Terrence, I know Felix Bautista had a bit of a walk issue in some of his outings last year. But I just... I just remember our hitters, Travis, the Angels, going up against him, trying to pull off a, trying to make him blow a save. He throws a bowling ball for a split, for a changeup splitter. Yeah. It, it, it's absolutely, because fastball is like 100 miles an hour. And then the split change, it just completely wipes out. It, it's, I think it's an unhittable pitch. It, yeah. it, it, it was yeah. crazy to see last year um, how good it was, how effective it was. But he is towards the tops of all of baseball in strikeout percentage, whiff percentage, um, these types of stats. Um, he did have a bit of a walking issue, so if that becomes out of hand, um, he could definitely fall off my top 10. But I think he's good enough right now. Um, and if Baltimore becomes like a more winning ball club this year, at least like maybe if they can flirt with almost 500, then he can be like a full-time closer for them, I think, and, and get some rack up some serious save numbers. But um, who else do you want to talk about on this relief list did, next? Did you say Iglesias Rysel? Yes, I had him at eight, and you okay. had him at what four or no, five? Number five. Okay. Okay. So I'm okay. I'm glad we both had him, and you you mentioned it well. You said that he wasn't terrible in the first half, and I think some people would say he was terrible. Yeah. I don't think he was terrible at all. I think it's that, just the big moments were, were think, what got people's way. And yeah. I think he had some bad luck. If I'm being honest, I think. His biggest issue is he does he does allow some hard contact, but overall throughout the course of the season, um, Bryce Harper. Yeah, <laughs> yes that, that that was a that was a bad moment. Of course, he had a full count, two outs, and he hung a he hung a changeup middle middle. But I, I think overall, what he was able to do um, in terms of striking out guys, in terms of uh, missing bats, and even avoiding walks, he, he did not have that big of a walk problem at all. Um, I think the the Slider changeup mix up there for off speed is is very good, um, and then the fastball was pretty solid as well. So I think that he uh, is going to be super locked down for the Braves next year. Um, I think it's a good idea. It's good that they kind of let Jansen go yeah. and just focus on Iglesias going forwards. And I, I know that they added some more arms to the middle of the of the bullpen. So I like what they're doing with that. Um, I think Iglesias will continue to be dominant. Um, his only only issue is he allows some very very hard contact a few times you know a month or something like that yeah and you kind of hope it goes to the outfielder yeah but besides that um if they're not barreling up they're missing um he gets weak contact quite a bit of the time as well so i think that there's a lot to like about rysel um you already kind of talked about him but i'll let you talk about someone else um I guess make make your case for Williams being being top three. I had him at six, um, and th- there's a lot to like about him, but um, I think for me, I, I mean, I'm I'm looking a little bit back at the history of. of sorry, just, he was third for you, right? He was third for me. Okay. Um, you know, I I think just looking back at the history of of Devin Williams from 2020 to 2021 to of course this year, he took over that closer role when Hater left, so he was always that eighth inning guy and then when hater left he took over only 15 saves in the year i don't care you know he's he's going to come into the position that he has to come into um you know 60 innings pitched 60 and two-thirds 96 strikeouts had a very good strikeouts per nine um better than munoz better than duran better than helsley a couple of these really good flamethrowers he actually had a better strikeouts per nine or, or more k's than them as well so 
still very impressed with that, with the ERA being below a two um, as well. So I, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at what he provided last year. I'm looking at what he's provided the last three years, what I think he's going to provide in the future. I just feel like there's really no worry with him. He's just developed into an elite uh, reliever. And now of course will be the closer for the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm interested to see if that full-time closer role now affects him now that he's starting off the season fresh as the, you know, going into opening day, you are the closer. Will that be a little bit of a, an ego he can't hang with? I, I don't, I don't know. I, I maybe last year it was kind of easy to pick it up right when hater was traded that he could take over the closer role and just, you know, fit right in. But, um, that's one question mark is will, that be a huge, huge issue. But over the last couple of years, I mean, the, the strikeouts per nine, I mean, it, it's funny how literally since uh, 2020, Alex, his strikeouts per nine are always north of 14. So it, it's it always seems like he has no problem striking out guys. And I, I've always mentioned that's something I really like when I look at um, closures coming in. And that's why Andres Munoz was a guy that I had to put in my top 10 because of the strikeouts, what he provides, um, you know, Kaying up so many batters, and also, of course, looking at him in the postseason, we saw him in in uh, in the wild card series against the Blue Jays. I mean, I think he came out. I think he came in for like an eight outs or a six out save, and it was just like boom, 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 game over. Sit down, I, yeah. It, it just it, the, the the from what Luis Castillo to Andres Munoz provided in a full nine nine inning game, it was just like I don't know how anyone can hit these pitches. Like it just right. it just seems like wizardry, <laughs> but. Um, I, I, Devin Williams, I just think that the, that the past has been so, so great for him that it, it, he is a top three pitcher in my mind right now. Um, someone like Hader, he was easily a top three pitcher, but from what last year, what I saw, especially in the regular season, it was very, very doubtful. And I think he even had a negative, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, he had a negative baseball reference war, but that was just because I think all those games he brought, he just blew as a Padre in, in August and in, in early September, um, cleaned it up a lot in October, but, uh, it was, it was, it, I I'm curious to see what he brings this year, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if last year with Hader, there was about a month and a half or two months or something where he just could not figure it out at all. Um, I think they were even deliberating removing him from the closer role so he can kind of clear his mind. But, um, it started out with the Brewers. I remember he had this outing with the giant against the giants where I think he allowed like two or three home runs. He had like a three run lead and a clean inning and he just completely got the, they got the best of them. Uh, and, and then, and then of course they trade him to the Padres. He continues to kind of struggle, eventually finds his kind of footing and does well in the postseason. I expect him to have, um, success next season. I had him at uh, six or fifth on my list. I just think that he, uh, it's not, it's not that he has a reputation because obviously he does. He's been number one for us for a couple years. Um, but I, I just think that he showed enough with the good moments that kind of make me think that bad moments may have just been some bad luck that finally got to him because he had so many spotless years where he was due for some stinkers and they yeah. finally came all at once at the worst possible, you know, like he, think, could, he couldn't catch a break. I, I think he had a zero ERA through months, April and May or something yeah, like that. It yeah, was, and, then, and, then, run. and then he had a five ERA and like, like all of a sudden after like three outings, these ERA blew up, blew up to five. because yeah. and just, over a seven with the Padres, which... I mean, he, he couldn't get outs at one point. He couldn't get outs. Yeah, but. It, it, it just seemed like a guy was absolutely broken and could not be fixed. And I, it, you almost looked at it and you wondered what on earth has happened to Josh Hader since he he blew that save against the Giants. It, it just seemed like a, a completely different person was in his body. But um, 
I, I think what what I do like though is at the moments where the, the biggest moments at least he showed up. I mean, he was electric coming out of the bullpen. There was still that I think every Potters fan was still scared when he came out against the Dodgers because you want to beat that huge, huge rival that you got and you don't want Hater who you got in a trade to blow it and then you know, you, you got to ride with that for the whole offseason with Dodger fans just, you know, harping on that. But coming out in that division series and just being so, so locked down, that was, I think, one of the biggest, um, you know, deal breakers or deal makers to, to have him in my top 10, at least still, because uh, providing that level of, uh, of efficiency in that crunch time was was huge. So um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just touch on the couple guys that I haven't given shouts out yet to that I did include. Um, Yohan Duran, we both had him. I had him fourth. You got him in your second half of your top 10. Eight, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Travis, uh, was a rookie last year. And um, I don't know if someone saw this guy coming, but I sure didn't. He was uh, beyond special. 100.9 uh, miles an hour was his average fastball. Not his peak. That was his average. was 100.9 I'm not sure exactly how legit this was, but I saw some things on Twitter and it looked like he was throwing split. I think he throws split finger fastballs and he hit like mid to high nineties throwing a splitter. And it's just like, this guy has uh, an arm like, like no one has ever seen before and may never see again. But um, he was super special as a rookie. Like I said, for Minnesota, the best piece in their pen for sure. Um, But Travis, he's someone who, I think it will continue up the good strikeout numbers next season. I think when your stuff is that nasty, throwing, um, like I said, averaging over 100 on the fastball, having this, I guess, yeah, it looks like StatCast calls it a changeup. Average 96 miles an hour on the changeup. Average 96 miles an hour on the changeup. That doesn't make any sense. That's Jared Weaver's top fastball right there. Of his career, yeah. It's like you look back at some of those guys back in the early 2000s, it's like, 92 to 95 was like a good range as a fastball. Now that's that's people's changeups, which but, is just it, it's in, it's in, it's incredible. But in this guy's 6'5", 230, 25 year old Travis, how come I'm not built like this guy? Man. Come on, I mean, jeans. God did not bless me, but um, you know, I have a podcast at least. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Travis, this guy, he's gonna be a monster. He only had eight saves last year. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not sure if he'll be their closer. I really don't care because he is going to be lights out. I already know it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his ERA was 1.86 last year as a rookie um, for 67 innings pitch and relief. That's that that's special. And then the other guy, Travis, who I uh, want to shout out, he was seventh on my list. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, seventh is uh, Pete Fairbanks. Okay. He uh, had a really good year. Travis, only 24 innings pitched. So he almost didn't make my cut just because that's such a small sample. But in that amount of time, 1.13 ERA, a 1.03 X ERA, a FIP below one at a 0.86. So he really could not have pitched much better, to be honest. His strikeout percentage, he struck out over 43% of guys he faced. He walked 3.4% of guys he faced. Really, honestly, he was like Edwin Diaz, but only pitched 40 innings. Yeah. Like yeah. he did. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. 24 innings. I, I think so, he was hurt for a good majority of the year. He, yeah. I think he had injury issues. Um, but when he was pitching, he was um, the definition of just lockdown lights out. Average 99.2 miles an hour on the fastball, which was about a mile at, at 1.5 miles an hour above his previous season. So, um, maybe some signs that uh, the Rays kind of tweak something to give some extra velo on uh, on his you know fastball there. He was 99th percentile in fastball velo, 
and 96 percentile and fastball spin. So I think the Rays are just doing Rays things over there. They're getting the most out of this guy. He's six six, man. I mean, yeah, it just just um able to throw that fast and also just be that dominant, even though for only 24 innings pitched. I think it'll continue in the next season. And the Fangraphs projections kind of agree, Travis. If I look at where they see him next season, um, by Fangraphs war, they project him to be 10th in baseball. Wow. Um, they project 65 innings pitched. If he can get to 65 innings pitched, I'm sure he's going to be dominant. They have him at just below a three ERA. So nothing nothing like Edwin Diaz next season, but I still think he's going to be one of the best relievers in baseball, top 10 in my estimation. So we'll see if that ends up happening, but I had to give him a shout out. Anyone else on your top 10 that we didn't give love to yet? Or what's there, up? There's tons. I mean, I know the Rays had a guy, I, I know uh, Jason Adams, I think his name is he he had an impressive impressive year um tons of guys on the on the dodgers bullpen i feel like that we hadn't even talked about i mean i know, I know um i think it's it's yancy almonte yeah he um, he's got a i think a bright future ahead just of guys down the stretch that you know we're 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 not talking about the big flashy closers we're talking about the guys that are going in there in the seventh or the eighth inning and just under the radar but just very very good um, I, I, I know. And then also with the Astros, I mean, um, I, I don't know the, the first name, but Abreu, uh, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, unbelievable. Is, it Al- is it Albert? Or am I thinking of someone else? I don't know. I, don't- <laughs> I will double check for the sake of you, Mr. Abreu. Yes. Albert Abreu. Albert Abreu. Is this okay. him? Is this okay. the right guy? Albert Abreu is on the Yankees. Okay. Well then he's, uh, should be a, uh, it ain't Jose. Travis, Abreu. we're failing at our Brian jobs Abreu. here. Brian Abreu. Brian Abreu. Brian yes, Abreu. Um, yeah, his numbers, Travis, one point nine four ERA last year, and I don't think he gave up a single run in the postseason. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, yeah. sixteen innings pitch, eighty eight strikeouts. So he's on that almost that uh, Andres Munoz uh, Duran level. Um, it, it, it's it, there's so many guys that we could talk about for being under the radar guys that you know are just so, so they, special. They and, deserve a nod, but you can't give yeah. a shout out to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with our list. What we made, I, I know it's, it's going to change. I, I can guarantee probably half of these guys might not even be on this list, you know, come halfway through the season. Who knows if Diaz slips, who knows if, you know, Ryan, Erasel Iglesias slips or if Josh Hader slips as well. So, um, we, we probably see a lot more, you know, younger guys coming onto these lists and, and, I and mean, being impactful. So, I mean, Travis, <laughs> I mean, so guys on my list include Fairbanks, Felix Bautista, Andres Munoz, Yohan Duran. Like at yeah, this point yeah. in time last year, I'd be like, we only know Pete Fairbanks. <laughs> uh, like, who are these guys? The, yeah. the guy who had bulgy eyes in 2020 and three guys I never heard of. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, you make a good point at this point in time in the or in the middle of the season. Who knows? will be top 10. There could be some young guys burst onto the scene. Um, that just totally went over, uh, went over everybody. So there are stuff that the, the first three positions, Travis, of our positional rankings for the 2023 preseason. A lot of differences, <laughs> a lot of differences, which, which is um, a good thing. I'm I, optimistic for these next couple of positions. It'll be, uh, I think first base, third base, we'll see some more like similarities, yeah. well, but third base, we, we, we have a good grasp of top 10, but it's going to be fun to see where we put where we actually, where these guys actually land. I agree. And, yeah. and, and yeah, who's going to be the best first baseman. Uh, there's a few candidates I feel like. And so all those kind of debates will be coming up next week. Um, next episode, guys, we're going to talk about the infield as we kind of just alluded to first base, second base, shortstop, third base, our top tens at every spot. And also we're going to break down finally the top, our, our opinion, our top five, um, best, uh, rosters 
for the uh, different international teams that are going to be in the World Baseball Classic in just a couple months here, Travis. Are just a, a, when, when is the start of that? Is it a month away yet? Uh, the 13th or the um, 11th of, of March? I think it's the 11th of March. So, we're, so we're, we're literally almost one month. And, and, and I think later this week, every team has to finalize the players they're inviting. So it's not a guarantee that they're going to make the roster, but like um, there'll be some sort of hard cap where guys can still opt out. And, and there's some guys opting out right now. I heard Correa might opt out. Yeah. I, I heard I think that the doctors told him no. I heard Luis Castillo <laughs> is opting out. Um, Framber Valdez was maybe an opt out. So, you oh, know, wow. I mean, that might hurt the Dominican team there. So that could make our rankings that much more interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, I'm excited to see, I heard Lars Newbar is like, I want to be on team Japan. You know, that'd be cool. <laughs> So, you know, we'll see how this stuff kind of shapes up. But, Travis, so like I said, by next episode, we should have an idea of who's going to be on which rosters. We're going to rank our top five. We can debate it. Um, who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the fifth best? We're going to find out next week. But, Travis, that pretty much pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, listeners, if you made it this far, we appreciate you. Um, we're going to try to get on the TikTok grind in this season because Travis, that's where people get the views. Podcasts are growing because of TikTok. Yeah. We need to get more of a, Insta- of a youth base. You In- know? Instagram reels. We got to reach the, the, the millennials. I almost said millennials. We got to reach Gen Z, Travis. We, we, we got to, we got to teach them about the game of baseball, the beautiful game. But, um, anyways, if you made it this far, we appreciate you and we'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Presented by tool tools podcast. <laughs> <laughs>